It's time for the 3304 Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dan Steinbeck and Cole Bourne Bergstrom. Welcome back to the 3304 Sports Podcast. My name is Cole Bjorn Bergstrom, recording here on a Friday afternoon. Uh, joined alongside myself is Ethan Owens and Joseph Robertson. Um, and this is going to be our fourth uh, or two you guys are going to be the uh other two guest hosts that we've had on this week having four in total uh it's a pleasure to have both of you on uh ethan this being your first time and joe you haven't been here in a while so how have you two been holding up been doing great man yeah i've just been hanging in there um excited to be back yeah that's awesome i mean uh, definitely hanging in there is the right way to think about it sometimes in college and i can i can definitely appreciate that but uh a lot, a lot of big things been going on this week. Uh, a little bit of a overview of this episode. We'll go over a few topics right before we hit into the NFL here. And then after the NFL, we, of course, have our uh, weekly power rankings and our picks to go with. Uh, Dan, as you guys, uh, listeners can tell, is not here. That's why we have our two lovely guest hosts. And they will be reading off his picks. And they'll also be giving their own opinions, not only on the power rankings, but the picks once we get there. Uh, but beyond that, we need to start with a little bit of uh, some other non-football topics. So, uh, as I said on the Wednesday episode, I brought this up every episode that we've had a guest host on. Brought up with Sean, brought up with Dan. Uh, I don't think I brought it up with Carter. And if I haven't, now I realize that I really should. And I will also bring it up to you two. Um, there's a little bit of a debate that happened in the comms community uh, of Virginia Tech, and it is a Christmas music debate. And when you should start listening to it. Now, I think we're at a 3-2 split in favor of you can start listening to it whenever, but kind of pace yourself. Uh, with the other two then being, nope, listen to it in December. Um, and where Sean and I even had a little handshake agreement of, okay, well, you can listen to it like uh, right after Thanksgiving. So Ethan and Joey, where do you guys stand on this debate? I would say... You start listening to Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. You go, you know, you have all your Thanksgiving stuff. You're with your family. The next day, you know, you start putting up your Christmas decorations, stuff like that. And, you know, you might go and listen to some Christmas music while you're doing that. I would say day after Thanksgiving is whenever it starts. I'm not really into starting like, like right after Halloween. Definitely wait until the day after Thanksgiving for me. I'll say this. If anyone's listening to Christmas music after Halloween, you're a borderline psychopath. I like, I mean, Evan Hughes, uh, the voice of Virginia Tech women's basketball and baseball, uh, tweeted out a couple weeks ago that, um, you know, basically what I just said. And basically, it's just too early to start listening to Christmas music. I agree with him, and he started getting a whole lot of slack for it on Twitter. He was like, why is everyone coming at me? Like, I still love Christmas, you know. Um, but I I agree um, with what I said. You got to wait till December. If, if Thanksgiving, like, you got to let it have its own little, like, little holiday. I know Thanksgiving doesn't really have any, like, Thanksgiving music yeah. other than some Adam Sandler parodies about Thanksgiving um but i'm one of those people that all right december 1st that's when i can start listening to it otherwise i'll get i'll get sick of it by december 13th if i had started listening to it either after thanksgiving or after 
Halloween, which is just way too early. Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say these two things before we move on from the topic. First, what I recommend is if you want to try it one year, because I'm trying it this year, like, like adamant, like, like I was really wanting to, um, and I was really wanting to listen to it uh, during this month. I suggest not only just don't spam it day after day like you would in December, but on top of that, change up the style of it. So then for like one, you're able to listen to uh, Christmas music, but in a little bit like different swing. But two, you can also set up a little bit of a Christmas playlist if you want to. So when you're listening to like these varieties of uh, Christmas music here, like in, in November, then hopefully by December, if you've paced yourself and everything, you have a little bit of a variation. You don't have to just listen to, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to listen always to All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. Maybe you want All I Want of, uh, for Christmas by Mariah Carey, but edited like with like jazz or like lo-fi or something like that. So so that that's kind of one thing that I'll say in support of it as well. It's something that if you want to get creative, you can make a fun little playlist for yourself from music you find online. But the other thing I'll say is, because you kind of brought up uh, decorating as well, I think, Ethan. I I will agree with this. I hate people that decorate months early. I hate when people do that. Like, I see people that decorate for Christmas, like, literally the night after Halloween, and I hate that so much. I'll, I'll even see people who don't decorate for Halloween that decorate for Christmas. And I'll see people that, like, leave those decorations up until February. It's like, bro, just decorate in December. That's the point. It's Christmas season. It's not. So I, I'm 100% with you on that. Music wise, though, I think it's just, you know, some subtle fun things. So with that being said, um, let's go ahead and move on here into our sports relevant topics. Uh, we'll start off here is uh, one of the things we talked about Wednesday. I want to get a little bit of a brief opinion here from both of you. On the committee rankings, maybe we just kind of stick to the top 10, though obviously we can all cheer and shout that Yutsa is finally back in the top 25 for the committee. Um, but what are your reactions to these new committee rankings? Anything heinous? Do you agree with most of it? Um, I agree with most of it. The only thing that I would change as far as the top four goes, I'm putting Cincinnati in over, Ohio's, over um, Ohio State or Alabama. You know, Cincinnati is proof that they can win. They're 9-0. and They beat Notre Dame. You know, I, what else do they have to do for the committee to put them in? I mean, Alabama lost to an unranked, I believe it was Texas A&M. A&M, yeah, when they were on their skid. Yeah, and yep. Cincinnati has yet to lose. So it's like, okay, are you – you're really valuing, like, the name of Alabama and, and Nick Saban. It's kind of like the same thing in – college basketball preseason rankings, you know, Duke's always up at the top and they're always like overrated because it's the name, it's the brand, it's the, you know, coach K and everything like that. So, you know, I, I, I just don't feel that great putting Alabama or Ohio state in honestly, just looking at how the teams are, I would put Cincinnati in over Ohio State. Bama's just too good of a team to be left out of the top four, in my opinion, at this time. But then again, Alabama did have a tough game last week versus uh, LSU. They only won uh, 20 to 14. And yep, it was a defensive matchup. It was a slaughter fest. So, I mean, other than that, just looking at the rankings, um, 
I think Michigan's a little too high at six. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were undefeated going into that game versus Michigan State, and then Michigan State was really like the only team that they've played that's you know ranked so far in the season, and they lost and actually you know blew a lead on them. And once again, just Michigan, I I just don't believe that they're the number six best yep. best team in the league because they haven't played anyone good other than um, Michigan State. And then, of course, they lost. Uh, looking at everything else, everything else seems pretty – I agree with uh, the rest of it. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, before you go. say anything, Ethan, before you say anything, I just have to say this. Because, Ethan, you did listen in on the last episode, a little bit behind yeah. this thing there. Ethan was listening in, get a little bit of an understanding of how we run this. Thank God we don't have someone else that ragged on Cincinnati. We at least have one Cincinnati believer with Dan and I and Joey. And Joey, I just have to say how much I appreciate that. We got Cincinnati got torn a new one on the last episode. And it, I feel like Dan and I are like the only two believers of the people that came on. We'll see what Ethan has to say about them. And hopefully I'm not basically putting you into a hole, Ethan, to support them. I, I don't want you to feel that way at all, but I'm just, I'm grateful that someone supports Cincinnati. So big, big appreciation for our Bearcats here. All right. So you're not going to appreciate me then. Cause I think Cincinnati, <laughs> I think they need to be gone. There's no, there's no reason to have them there. They're just kind of a nuisance in the top 10 because, or not, maybe not the top 10, but like in that playoff conversation, because they don't play anyone the rest of the season. They already made it where they don't play any more ranked opponents the rest of the season. Like I just don't see how they can get into that top four. And I, I feel like Georgia, Alabama, they're probably locked. So like maybe even like if Alabama loses an SEC championship, I feel like they're, they're probably still in just because they are Alabama and they would beat them. But I just, I just think Cincinnati, if they, Got to that four spot and played Georgia. They just they'd lose so bad, and it would it would just be. I just don't think they need to be there. I just don't like when the playoffs extend or like hopefully they will extend. That Cincinnati absolutely should be in, but I just don't see how you can say they're a top four team in the nation. Whenever like these Big Ten teams, like the rest of their schedules, like they all have a really tough schedule. Uh, Oklahoma has a tough schedule the rest of the way. Like. I just don't see how Cincinnati should be right there. Like, they're just kind of in the way to me. Like, they should be dropped down to, like, that eight or nine. And I just I just don't see how they would ever get into the playoff. What I'll say is this uh, with Cincinnati. I can understand your viewpoint with that. At least it's, they weren't torn a new one from you there. But what I'll say is – what I'll say is, is that, in fairness to them, SMU, they, I think, expected to be ranked. And SMU was ranked – and then they lost their last two games. Hopefully they don't make it three because that would be a really bad look for Cincinnati. But, I mean, even beyond that, um, I remember Dan and I, I think last week, we, I pulled up some games and comparative to top 10 teams, including their beating a current top 10 team in Notre Dame. So that was the reason why I felt that way. Um, I think they even beat Notre Dame in Notre Dame. Or at, yeah, at- it was at Notre Dame. So, yeah, I mean – I, I think they have big wins. I can see how, what, what you're feeling, but the only other thing I'd even ask you is um, obviously with top four talent, uh, you're, you're thinking that like Cincinnati probably gets slapped by Georgia, kind of like how most of like the, like one of those semifinal matchups, one team gets slapped by the other. 
my question for you then would be, let's say Oregon's at the four. Do you think Oregon has any chance against Georgia? No. I, Do you think, I think Michigan Georgia, has any chance against Georgia? Um, maybe. I, I'm not sure. I think Georgia's probably winning that first round by a lot if they stay in that number one rank. I just – I just like they're so yeah. dominant. I feel like there's normally like the top three teams are serious and that fourth one's just always – seems like it's a bloodbath in those years. Well, then to even take it one step further, though, just look like Alabama. Do you think Oregon would compete with Alabama? Uh, I mean, sure, I mean, the Bama, LSU game makes it interesting, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I mean, Bama seemed like a different level, like playing like Tennessee teams like that. But yeah, I mean, after playing a close game, I'm not sure. I just, I just don't see, like, I just don't see Georgia losing in that first round. Yeah, um, I may like, especially like I could see Oklahoma even sneaking in like that four seed. I don't think they would beat Georgia. I just don't, I don't see Georgia losing I agree. until maybe the championship. I think Georgia's the by far best team. So that part of my opinion on that as well is that, well, if we all believe that no one's going to beat Georgia, why wouldn't you calm down the group of five believers like us and just give a, get, get, give us, give us a bone, toss us a bone and the like, toss Cincinnati in there. Sure, maybe they get stomped by Georgia if they get four, but, you know, give us a little bit of something to chew on and be like, yeah, we got group of five in there for once. I mean, I guess we'll never really know this, but if Wake Forest would have went undefeated, I still don't think they would have made the playoff, and they're in a power five conference. I don't see – that. That is an interesting perspective. So I don't see how Cincinnati – It would have made things interesting. Because, I mean, no, I, what I, was – I feel you. Yeah, Wake was at nine, you know, and I mean Oklahoma. I think they still have stuff to prove, like being undefeated, but they have some tough sure. games ahead of them. But like Wake Forest, I think they could have won the ACC and still been at like the sixth spot. And I just don't see how Cincinnati begins that top four. Yeah, that the them uh, Oklahoma and Oregon definitely have a final uh, hard final three game stretch before even the championship game. So I will say, Dan and I talked about on the, uh, on the Monday pod and saying that that's a little bit scary for both of them. We'll see what happens. Uh, so th- thank you all both for your committee rankings. I do uh, definitely appreciate it. I definitely appreciate the love for the Bearcats, of course. Um, just a little bit of a shout out here. Uh, one for next week and one for now. I'll give a little bit of a shout out for next week. Uh, Steven Gerrard is the new manager of Aston Villa. It's something I'm definitely going to want to talk about with Dan. So hopefully I'm going to hold myself to that so I can give you guys a little bit of analysis of it. Uh, currently Norwich city doesn't have a new manager. Uh, they're, they're both teams that sacked their manager just about a week ago. Um, and then the other soccer thing here is I want to give a big shout out to the Virginia tech women's soccer team. Uh, obviously I'm on beat for them, but if you guys haven't been paying attention, the NCAA tournament does start, uh, I mean, in roughly three hours from now, uh, at least for Virginia tech women. And they're going to be taking on the Ohio state Buckeyes here in Blacksburg, possibly the only home game of the NCAA tournament, possibly our only game of the NCAA tournament. So a uh, big shout out to the ladies. Hopefully they'll be able to put up a good, uh, good performance. Uh, definitely a lot of people um, think that they can. Uh, I mean, definitely myself and definitely a lot of people on the beat is an impressive team, um, but we'll see. So big shout out to them. Moving on from that soccer start, though, just wanted to get a little bit of a quick taste. There hasn't been much really to sink in, to sink your teeth into here for college basketball. But, I mean, I, I feel like I assume where we're all going to go with this. Uh, is, is there really any surprises um, that occurred here uh, at the, these first, like, few day, opening days of college basketball season? Whether that be a team being better than expected or a surprising loss, uh, maybe a player's popping off a lot more than you expected, et cetera. 
I mean, I'll tell you this. The bot, the ACC um, teams on opening night, Georgia Tech lost, who was the defending yeah. ACC champion. And there was one more. Uh, Pitt lost. And they lost by a lot. I'm trying to pull it up right now as far as what those scores were. But, you know, just – it seemed like a lot of teams were in some trouble early on, especially the Blue Bloods. Uh, even before the season started, Kentucky barely beat Miles College uh, in their scrimmage at Kentucky. I mean, Miles was leading for pretty much the majority of the game until the very end where Kentucky started to turn it on. And then, you know, Kentucky had to turn around and face Duke the very next week. Um, but other than that, you know, just the ranked teams having these close games, you know, uh, looking at it now, Ohio State, they played Akron and won by one. Yeah, that was a crazy overtime finish. I don't remember who had it, but I saw that. And, you know, just the ranked teams kind of not showing out against these, you know, smaller schools um, would be the biggest surprise, I'd say, from my perspective. Um mostly everyone, you know, kind of handled their business, but there were a few where it was just a bit of an eye-opener. It was kind of like, okay, you know, are they kind of ranked too high or something like that? Um, Definitely a few shockers. So to give you the scores from the ACC that you were thinking of, uh, Pittsburgh, a team that I think when it comes to power rankings, a lot of people are going to put low after all the, the players that transferred out, but uh, they lost by 15 to Citadel at home. Georgia Tech lost by three to uh, Miami, Ohio. And then, of course, uh, University of Virginia losing to um, Navy by eight points at home. Uh, definitely some surprises there, though. You did have, like, one really big ACC game. Of, I, I think Virginia Tech may have had the biggest spread, but I think the definite, like, biggest win of the ACC this week being, of course uh, – having Duke over Kentucky and Duke looking pretty strong in that matchup. So that's it was, stuff, but. it was interesting in that matchup though. I watched the game and it seemed like every other minute a Duke player was going down with either cramps or an injury. I mean, Paulo mm -hmm. Benchero, he was basically chugging, chugging Gatorade for the whole game and, you know, getting stretched out on the sidelines. He'd have to come out for, uh, multiple minutes and then right, come right back in and come back right back out again. Uh, so it was very interesting to see, you know, how Duke kind of handled that adversity. I mean, they still uh, took, took care of business uh, with Keels. Keels had a great game, but it was just interesting to see, you know, Duke, the powerhouse of, you know, college basketball pretty much, you know, having all of these small cramping problems. Sure. How about you, Ethan? Um, my main point was really just that UVA got beat in their first game. I mean, obviously they're one of the higher ranked ACC teams. And, you know, as like ACC fans, I think that's kind of a bummer that the season would start bad for the ACC because once, you know, uh, Virginia Tech would be playing them, it might not be as big as a win if they can't beat these teams like Navy. But, I mean, UVA, I mean, they went on what, like an eight-minute streak of not scoring. I mean, they're, they're playing their – kind of see like they slow down the game and score low, stuff like that. But, I mean, they just couldn't score. So, that was, like, a big standout to me. Another thing was just the fact that, like, you know, Duke is back after beating UK because, I mean, 
didn't make the uh, tournament last year, and you know they bring in pretty much a new set of stars every year, and it looks like their freshmen are set that set up to be pretty good this year. Obviously, like you said, Ohio State. I mean, they almost started the season the exact same way that the last season ended, which would have been a huge upset. And yeah, it's just UVA really stuck out to me because I mean, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they were the only ranked team to lose. I might be wrong about that, but yeah. Yeah, I think they, I think you're right. Ohio State obviously being close. I will point out for UVA and UVA fans are even pointing this out online. The fact that it seems like their team has like uh, like a couple stupid games at the beginning where they either come really close to losing or they do lose. Uh, if you do look at last year's schedule, if uh, I mean, you, we probably don't remember this, but on November 27th, they lost San Francisco in the home light classic by a singular point. I don't, I don't know where they played that, but obviously home loss not looking as good as in, you know, a possible neutral or away loss. Well, what I'll say is this um, for UVA, what, seeing what Virginia Tech does tonight against Navy is going to be very telling um, about UVA to me. Now, I'm not saying that UVA is a bad team. I'm not saying they're a mid-team or anything. UVA is probably still going to be one of the better teams in the ACC. Um, but it's going to be very telling for both sides if UVA loses to Navy by eight, but then Virginia Tech goes in town to Navy, and maybe if they barely beat them, it's like, oh, okay, maybe on the same level. But if, like, Virginia Tech somehow goes in there and, like, just stomps on Navy, somehow puts up, like, a 20-point, like, win or something, then it's going to be like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? Like, you know, all these people are, are putting UVA ahead and putting FSU and et cetera, and it's like Virginia Tech just stomped out Navy who beat UVA at home, and they also stomped out Maine. And if you look at I think the I think uh, UVA played Maine, whether it was last year or a couple of years ago, and they beat them like 48 to like 28 or something, like some low-scoring matchup. So, yeah. Oh, I think – I think the game tonight is actually, like, huge now. Just, like, normally these, like, you know, preseason – not really preseason games, but pre-ACC games are normally, you know, not much. But, I mean, just seeing how you can size up versus UVA, which obviously UVA and Tech play very different basketball. Like, whenever UVA comes to Castle, they slow Tech down so much. Usually, usually Tech can't shoot against them at all. But, I mean, you might be able to see how they size up against one of their biggest rivals in the state. If sure. I could, if I could jump in here as well, you know, Navy isn't a bad team. They were 15 and three last year um, mm-hmm. for their record, and they looked pretty good against UVA as well. So I don't think it's going to be a blowout game tonight for. for I agree. Tech. I think that it's going to be very close. It's going to be a hard fought matchup. The atmosphere there is going to be insane. They're playing up in Annapolis with you know all of the uh, armed service armed servicemen and you know the um, midshipmen up there are going to be attending the game so the atmosphere is going to be electric and you know hostile towards Virginia Tech and this is games where okay either they come out and they show all right we're Virginia Tech this is this is what we do or they're gonna you know fold under pressure and then It'll, it'll, it'll be a really telling game for how this team handles adver- adversity, uh, especially. Especially what? You did cut out there, Joey. Um, especially, like, early on in the season. Sure. I mean, I, I, I don't expect Virginia Tech to 
uh, be uh, like blow them out at all. Trust me. Like I'm a big fan of this VT team, but Navy is good. You can't overlook them. But I will say this: if you look at that Navy box score, I though maybe they can. I don't think they're going to put up half their points from beyond the arc again. I don't think they're going to put up 33 points from threes because that's what they did. They had two people uh, hit a three off their bench. Uh, you had uh, Carter Jr. putting up five of his uh, seven shots, uh, five of seven made shots as threes. Uh, Yoder went three for three from the three-point range, and then one for two from Deaver. So that's 11 three-points made. That's 33 of their 66. I don't think they do that again. I mean, I mean, that's just you don't it, you know what I mean? Like it's rare to have a team like hit like that. That's true. And you know, this game could be a heat check for Navy as far as you know what their shooting is like. But at the same time, mm-hmm. Virginia plays a very, very specific type of defense. And it's you sure. know basically if you're not hitting those outside shots, it's very hard to score against them. Um, just because of how their defense sets up. So I think, you know, Virginia Tech doesn't have nearly as good of a defense as UVA does. Uh, but then again, they've only played one game, so we'll see. But one thing from the watching the main Virginia Tech game was defense and rebounding that I saw from that game that Virginia Tech kind of struggled with a little bit at times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. I think Storm Murphy will have to have a good game for the Hokies to really have some, a lot of success. And speaking of that, is a great transition, Joey, because both you and Ethan were at the game Tuesday night. Sadly, I had a lot of work to do, uh, including I had to write two, I had to write two papers and something else that it was, it was a hectic Tuesday night for me. Um, but I was able to listen to a little bit in the background while I was writing. Um, and boy, we did look good. But is there anything specific that you guys were able to see uh, live at Castle that just made the team look that much better beating uh, Maine by 35? I, I think it was a great start to the season, really. I mean, it was a good look at what some of, like, you know, the team's a little bit not new this year, but, I mean, it's like these players have gotten a lot better over the offseason. I mean, it looked great to have, like, you know, two big men work, and then you kind of had, like, two shooters with uh, Aline and Couture and then, like, the facilitator Storm going out there. And, like, even though uh, he looked like a great leader, but, like, the shots weren't falling. But, I mean, those would come eventually. Like, he probably took – I think he took seven shots um, on Tuesday, and that's probably more than BD had in a game all of last year. So I think that will come the storm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think you're wrong with that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I think I, he, yep. Yeah, I think he's already, like, you know, coming. Like, he's already a great leader, like, with what we needed when we lost BD, but he's also adding a little bit of offense. But, I mean, this, the big men looked dominant, dominant against Maine. Like, and Gasson came off the bench and shot seven for seven. And, like, uh, I just – this is Maine's interior defense just weren't – wasn't that good compared to Tech's, like, dominant big men. The biggest thing for me would be the improvements from last year of John Ogiaco, um, Justin Mutz, Darius Maddox, and David uh, Gasson. They – Coming into last year, they were kind of, you know, in the shadows, I would say. And now, you know, seeing them last Tuesday night just kind of really come into themselves. And Storm Murphy, too. Storm Murphy was absolutely ridiculous. He made a couple plays. There was one he was driving down the uh, 
driving down the lane, stepped back, basically put the man on ice skates and hit a jump shot over him. And Castle lost its mind. Um, it just they bring a certain dynamic to the Virginia Tech offense. And Darius Maddox, too, he's supposed to be really good this year. And, you know, it showed uh, he was hitting jump shots left and right last Tuesday night. And I expect him to do the exact same thing tonight as well. So just the improvements of those players, I'd say. Yeah, Maddox uh, really coming in and getting some of his minutes and even replacing uh, Bama Seal. Just give him a little bit of a shout out. He played for GW. I don't think they beat Maryland. I think they lost, but Bama Seal had one heck of a performance. I watched him have like a windmill dunk on him, almost shattering that glass. Like he was great in some of those highlights. Big shout out to Joe. So I actually know Joe personally. Um, Oh, wow. And (laughs) Joe's the type of personality that he loves to feed off of, you know, people hating on him. And I watched the game last night, and after every shot, he was, you know, hand up in the air, like, come on, bring the noise. Because Maryland's a hostile crowd as well. They go crazy there. And, you know, I remember late in the game, he got fouled, went to the free throw line, and he had been talking – talking a little smack to the student section um, throughout the whole game. And you can just hear in the background, Joe, you suck chance, Joe, you suck chance. <laughs> and he just had the biggest smile on his face, you know, just like, come on. Great game. I think uh, eight rebounds and 20 points um, and led the, led the game in scoring. So. Yeah, definitely a big shot to him, but then, uh, from what I was able to notice from the team, from Virginia Tech now, um, what I was able to kind of watch and listen to, uh, but specifically you can even look in the stat sheet, the bench players are able to do really well. Um, obviously, I can sing as much praise about Mutz or Aline or Storm Murphy uh, or like a Luma even that I'd want to, uh, but we all know they're really talented. To me, these opening five games before we play Memphis in the tip-off, um, to me, has never been about the starters, though it'd be nice for them to build chemistry, like even more than they have, like build some in-game chemistry. It's been about the bench. Dan and I talked about it when we were previewing this team a couple weeks ago. Our bench is nowhere close to what it was like. Like when you're looking at it, the bench on paper doesn't look anywhere close to what it was the last couple of years when you had Cone and Radford and uh, Bama Seal and all, all these like guys just lined up off the bench it's like you can just throw in whoever you want if someone's having a cold night and that person could go and start lighting it up um and to, and tonight against or not tonight but like you know tuesday against maine you're able to see that Engasan, uh you're you're not going to expect another 100 field goal shooting performance really from anyone like ever but Engasan looks incredible i was able to watch uh when he was heating up and he hit that three-point like, you just knew he was going to make it. He had an incredible night. Uh, Ojiako, as you said, huge improvements from him. Someone who we were really hoping would get some time last year after a decent freshman year uh, when, uh, of course, when I was a freshman as well. But he was definitely able to show something tonight uh, or Tuesday. And then Darius Maddox as well being able to put up a good performance. I mean, even Sean Padula, the uh, freshman, able to get some minutes. And uh, definitely when you're able to uh, – if you've been able to read a little bit about him – or at least what he's defined as he feels like a Mike Young type of point or Mike Yard, the Mike Young type of guard in general. So being able to see all of them get minutes, all of them shine in their own facet, 
uh, is definitely encouraging. And that's really what this Virginia Tech team needs, as I said, in going into the Navy game, going to Radford next Monday at home, going to St. Francis next Thursday at home. Uh, Mary Mac, I would assume, yeah, that's also at home. And it's going to be Sunday when we're going off for Thanksgiving and whatnot. Um, those games, we really need to see those uh, like bench players and whomever else start to turn up. Uh, as I said, team chemistry is great and all, but we need that bench. The team chemistry is going to build. If you can get that bench heated up, the bench itself can save you in games if they're on like if they have that type of momentum. But then also it'll help kind of like take the pressure off that starting the starting five, get them a little bit more momentum themselves, a little more chemistry, a little bit more boost to where then once we're starting to hit ACC play, then they can really start hitting. Or, or I mean, not even ACC play because we also have other ranked teams we have to play. We have, as I said, Memphis in the tip off. Uh, we have another tip-off game. It's against Xavier or someone else. I forget who's the other team. Um, all good, man. Uh, you also got Maryland that we play in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You've got uh, St. Bonaventure that we play in the Basketball Hall of Fame Shootout. So that's like we have three ranked teams at least that we're playing before ACC play. Uh, it's just I want to build those uh, bench players up, and then hopefully that will build up the team around it. That's my goal. So other than that, though, as you guys said, really good night, a lot of good, impressive stuff. And it was awesome. I, I was really happy that you guys were able to get uh, back there. I think, Ethan, was that your first time at Castle? Um, it was as a student, but I've been big fan okay. for years. I li- only live about two hours away. So me and my dad would come up six, seven times a year. So, yeah, it was Anything? my first as a student as I transferred here last year during COVID. But now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to go as a student a lot more and hopefully get to go to the most of the games. Anything different about it as a student or? Uh, yeah, um, whenever we came, um, like like me and my dad would come, you know, we'd still sit like on like the other side of the stadium. And then like uh, for like a game like that, you know, it wouldn't be like that hype down there, like you're around like a bunch of older people. But I mean, we were up there against the main, you know, going like right at the main bench, you know, like you're yelling at them some. And it's like this game, we're up by 30. And, you know, it, it we was having a great time there. It was, it was really fun to be there as a student. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun where you're going to be able to start uh, chanting when people get fouled out of games or uh, when people are just absolutely cold. Um, it gets a lot of fun. We're, we are very much a very chirpy student section. Yeah, I think they uh, ended that number one mains for the night because he airballed once. They dogged in the rest of the time. <laughs> yep. I don't think he saw the floor again. Yeah, yeah, no, they, that's, that's what they do. Like, whatever it's an airball, whenever someone starts to go cold, like, they get blocked or something we just rag on them the whole time. It's great. Love that environment. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great that you're able to get that. And obviously we'll have a lot more ahead of us since basketball season is long, uh, to move on from basketball to finally get into a little bit of football here. We'll start off with some of these NFL, um, uh, news bits here. First of all, I wrote it down uh, as I was typing this up on uh, Wednesday, a little bit of behind the scenes stuff here, that possible Odell move and other moves that may occur. Uh, we did finally get the Odell move, and he has moved to Los Angeles. So any quick reactions on Odell being in L.A.? I'll tell you what. The Rams are all in this season. They're yeah. selling, they are selling out, and they are – this is their Super Bowl year in their, in their minds. To go out and get Von Miller from the Broncos and then to get Odell. Like, if you, if you told me at the beginning of the season – oh, by the way uh, – 
Matthew Stafford is going to have a great year for the Rams. I would have said, okay, I agree with you. And then they said, and then if you had said, all right, and the Rams will have Von Miller and Odell Beckham on the team, I would have been like, you're crazy. So it's it's been really surprising to see the moves that they've made, but I mean, they're pretty good moves. Uh, the move with Odell, that basically makes him, in fantasy perspective, a pretty good wide receiver too. Um, type of player who's mm-hmm. in a high-powered offense. Stafford loves to throw the deep ball. And you know, Odell's problems with Cleveland, it's something more internal, I think. Uh, he's still that type of – still that caliber of player where he can make a team – opposing team hurt any sure. any Sunday of the, uh, of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I think Odell's really going to become – a big part of that offense. I think uh, Joey kind of hit all my points. Like, that's exactly what I had. The Rams are just kind of all in. Like, they're going for it. You know, they don't really – I'm not sure how many picks they have left after all this, but so they better hope they win. But uh, <laughs> I just a new weapon for Jared Goff. And, yeah, like like he said, for fantasy, I picked, him, I picked OBJ up on my fantasy team earlier in the year. And I'm just hoping that he can get back to scoring a bunch of points for me, give me some wins. But it would be interesting to see when they play the Cardinals, since they're the Cardinals may be the best team in the NFC right now, and those in division rivals. I mean, it's it's a tough division right now, and that just made it that much tougher. So we're really excited to see how that division plays out. Really, yeah, Cardinals definitely a little bit lucky to be able to get that first win up on LA uh, without Odell and Von Miller. Um, but what I will say is this, I do agree with your points. I think Odell does in, on paper, make them look even better uh, and everything. But my one concern is this, if I'm Cooper cup first day in the locker room, I'm going to him and I'm like, Hey brother, respect you. You're a great wide receiver. This is my time right now. Please just don't step on my toes. If you step on my toes, we are going to have issues because Cooper cup is on a possible record setting year. And uh, what I hope is that Odell's not coming into L.A. like, yeah, Cooper Cup's nothing. I'm going to go and be the wide receiver one for this team. They'll sign me down to a big deal, et cetera. I, I'm hoping that Odell's going in there ring chasing, and he's like, I'll be the wide receiver two for Cup. That's whatever. Man's balling out. And I, I, that's kind of what I expect. I just hope that he's not expecting to get, like, as much as what Cup's getting. Because I, if, if Cup's target share changes because of Odell, I do think that's going to blow. Um, particularly with how good he's been this year. But beyond that, if, if, if Odell is able to come in there and kind of get a good even share with, uh, honestly, with, with, with Robert Woods as well, like it will be a ridiculous offense. And the offense is already pretty good. So, yeah. I guess we'll have to see if he's really like that bad of a person in a locker room or if he's really, you know, just going to take a, take a back seat to this possible Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I mean, it makes me nervous. I, I honestly thought he was going to go to Green Bay. Green Bay made so much sense to him, and I think he would have definitely accepted the role behind Adams. I think he will behind Cup, but it's going to make things interesting for target share and whatnot for that team. For oh, for Green Bay, it wouldn't have at all. It's just, okay, we're not going to throw to anyone else anymore. We're just going to throw to Odell and Devontae Adams. And it's like, thank God you finally have a number two receiver. But – I digress. Uh, the really big interesting action last night, you say, and you picked up Odell. I picked up Rashad Bateman uh, in a 10-team league to just try to finally get some points. My receivers absolutely let me down last week after Hopkins got injured. Uh, 
I had Kadarius Tony and Jacoby Myers both only getting one catch. It was horrible. They're, they they were the reason I lost. Um, I digress. Thursday night football, though, Baltimore against Miami. And another huge upset. Um, how are we feeling about Miami? How are we feeling about Baltimore? And again, what another crazy game in this NFL season. I, I don't think Lamar and the Ravens ever had a rhythm at all. Like it seemed like they never could get anything going. I mean, certainly their defense wasn't no help every time they needed a stop, like before the half or at the end of the game, they would let some giant play happen, like the play to former Hokie Isaiah Ford at the end of yeah. the at the end of the first half. You know, he caught that 52 yard catch, which was the Dolphins longest play of the season until the, the the catch by Wilson at the end of the game for 64 yards when the game was 15 to 10 and you know that kind of kind of sealed it for the Dolphins right there it's just I just never saw no rhythm out of the Ravens at all it's just uh Miami I mean they might I'm not saying they're gonna make the playoffs but like they they have a pretty easy schedule here on out and like they might have a surprising number of wins at the end of the year yeah I, I mean I agree with you there. Um, just looking at the game, you know, Tagovailoa goes eight for 13 with 158 yards. I mean, that's solid numbers. He actually injured uh, one of his hands. I think it was his left hand um, during the game. Yeah, I agree with his point there. The Ravens just seem like, you know, ever since the preseason, ever since J.K. Dobbins has, you know, gone down, they just seem like they're not clicking as good as they were a couple of years ago when Lamar really started to burst onto the scene. I think that was the year that the Titans beat them in the playoffs. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. Uh, that, exactly. was that was when the Chargers blew him out with Phillip Rivers. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it just seems like their offense just hasn't really found that dominant, that dom their dominant ways yet like they had that year. Uh, it just seems like, all right, one week they'll go off for 33 points, and then the next they'll only put up 10. So they're just very inconsistent at this point. Uh, as for the Dolphins, you know, like he said, it, they do have a pretty easy schedule down the road. I mean, they've got – let's see, they've got – That is that is something I was going to bring up. Um... Honestly, while you're talking about the Dolphins here, how about I throw this in and you'll be my first respondent for this. I think Miami season's back on. I'm not saying that they're going to reach the playoffs because that that would take a lot and it would take a lot of luck because if even if they won, if they won out, they would be 10 and 7, which would basically be that they're hoping to scrape up the last seed. But if you look at their schedule, they have the Jets, they have the Panthers. The Panthers are horrible right now. Even if Cam Newton comes back in, I'm still not going to trust that. You got the Giants who have been blah. You have the Jets again. And then their last three games are hard, Saints, Titans, and Patriots. But that these next four games are very winnable for Miami. Yeah, they are very winnable. I mean, Houston, you never really know. Or not Houston, excuse me. Uh, the Jets. Mm -hmm. I haven't really been paying attention to the Jets that much this year. Um, they do have that quarterback, Mike White, I believe is his name. I don't know if he's still out. He heard his. He's, play he's playing this week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with Zach Wilson, but White is playing this week. So, I mean, he 
came out of absolutely nowhere and, you know, re-energized that Jets offense for 33, his first start, and no one saw that coming. And now if you talk to any Jets fan ever, which I know a couple, they think he's an absolute god. I mean, he did kind of save their season, I guess, a little bit. Not, yeah, I mean, if you're say, really. he did. I mean, there's potential. There's potential. Um, and then you got the Saints, and or excuse me, you've got the Jets, then the Panthers. I don't know if Cam Newton coming back is going to re-energize Carolina's season. I mean, it very well could be. I know Robbie Anderson's just became a heck of a lot better of a fantasy player now. Um, and is probably a lot more happier because he did not look too happy on the sidelines. I think it was a couple weeks ago. Surprising. Sam Darnold really like that was his main guy in his rookie year. And then he wasn't in the second year that I think Robbie got moved. And then obviously Sam just got moved this year. And after Robbie had a breakout year last year, he's got nothing this year. Yeah. And then with the giants, that game, if Saquon plays, it could be a tough, it could be a tough game, but sure. Saquon's status is up in the air right now. Uh, then you got the Jets again. And then at Saints, who Jameis Winston goes uh, goes down with a torn ACL. And I believe – I can't remember who they signed. But they've signed someone else other than Taysom Hill, who I believe got hurt in the very Simeon. next week. Yeah, Simeon. Um. Who knows? He's an unknown as far as how he'll fit into the Saints offense. Haven't really seen him a whole lot. So who knows uh, about that? And then the Titans, you don't have Derrick Henry. The yeah. Titans are just as inconsistent. You know, one week they could be really good and they're firing on all cylinders without Henry. And then the next, they're They did just have a statement win against LA. They did. And that – that was a surpriser to me. I went back and looked at the score, and I was like, wow. Even without Derrick Henry, they put up those numbers. So who knows? Maybe they could be turning it around. And then the Patriots are always tough. You know, Mac Jones has had a really good year. Um, so who, kn- who knows what, what the future holds for the Dolphins? And then, Ethan, you have anything on the Dolphins? or? Um, I mean – like I said earlier, it's just kind of they could turn their season around, you know, getting some wins, like you guys said, against the Jets, stuff like that. Like, they don't have that tough of a schedule. But in the end, I don't think it really matters. I think they're playing for a draft pick because they need to continue to get better. Tua definitely came in and played better in the second half than, he, you know, he has, which he's had struggles with. They need to get him an offensive line before they do anything. But I don't think it's really going to matter for the Dolphins. But, yeah, they have a they have a pretty easy schedule here on out. So, we'll have to see. I think if, if I was a betting man, I think they're going to finish this year at eight and nine. I, I don't think these next four games are hard for them. Uh, even if they do lose one of them, I could see two in the other three. Um, but you did also hit the nail on the head there too, Ethan. This isn't just for playoffs for Miami. This is a lot about not looking stupid because they trade away their own pick to Philadelphia to be like, yeah, we're, we're a good team. We don't need to have this pick. And then you're looking, you're like, oh, and like, and you're, they're cursing themselves because like they have a top three pick right now. Yeah, so, I forgot. I forgot they traded away their pick. So yeah, I guess yeah, they're, just kind so, of that, they're in that limbo where they can't make the playoffs, but they also can't get the best pick in the draft. So they 
are playing for nothing, really. I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, well, I mean, they can technically make the playoffs, but basically, what they're playing for now is to not look like idiots and to hopefully have a better record than San Fran and be like, see, look, we're not that dumb. You know, yeah. maybe we should have kept our first rounder, but we kept San Fran's, and San Fran's was the better one. And that's that kind true. of what Brian Flores and the team's playing for at this point. Um, but they do have some playoff potential, but they'd have to win. Basically, they would have had to have won nine in a row, and that's ridiculous. Like, not even, like, in Indianapolis a couple of years ago did something similar, but they, they were, like, nine and one down the down a second half stretch, not nine and oh. Or they're, maybe they're eight and one, something along those lines. But, yeah, bit of a crazy Thursday night game. Uh, definitely not a great look for Baltimore, but definitely an incredible look for Miami, who's really turned their season around. Uh, and then the couple of things we're going to run by you uh, on the Wednesday episode, I, of course, talked about my rookie of the year and MVP lists. Uh, if you want to listen to those, it's literally at the back part of the Wednesday episode. If you want to either refresh yourself or if you haven't heard them already, um, Wednesday episode, I mean, honestly, might be posted here on Friday. Uh, I guess we're going to see how things go uh, with Dan being out of town. It's been a little bit interesting how we're going to set this stuff up. A big shout out to any three or four sports people that have been helping, including our guest hosts. Um, but for y'all, uh, do you have like five or maybe three players you want to put on this rookie of the year and MVP list for you guys? I've got some. So I'd put at number one, Jamar Chase, wide receiver for the Bengals. I mean, Chase has had an unbelievable year, 44 receptions, 835 yards. He's averaging 19 yards uh, a catch and has seven touchdowns on the year. I mean, he's just been absolutely insane. I mean, him and Joe Burrow have just had that connection, um, just like back at LSU. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he continues that success going down the road. Uh, but I would say I put him at number one. And number two, I'd put Micah Parsons, the linebacker for the Cowboys. He has been absolutely dominant and just looks like if you watch a Cowboys game, you can't not miss him like he makes his presence known regardless whether it's even if he doesn't get a sack he's still in the backfield like every other play he's just so quick off the ball I mean, he's just overall a great player and then I would put Najee Harris up there the running back for the Steelers uh, and running back of my fantasy team I'd like to put that out there Najee's <laughs> he, I mean he's been great this year I mean especially in fantasy he's averaging like 20 points a week, pretty much. Um, he's the feature of the Steelers offense. You know, he has been the, I wouldn't say the, actually I would say the catalyst. He's been the catalyst for most of what Pittsburgh's doing up there uh, since Ben Roethlisberger can't really throw the ball anymore. Or if he can, he just hasn't thrown it deep at all. Um, you know, Claypool's been non-existent. Uh, Freer Muth is starting to come into his own though now. Um, he's at, I mean, a touchdown or two a week now for the last two weeks. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, their offense looks like from there. But I'd put Najee up there as well. And then to round it all off, I'd put uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight end for the Falcons. Took him a couple weeks to figure it out, you know, being a rookie, but I think he's finally come into his own and has really showed out for the Falcons. I don't think I can really add anything to that that you didn't say. Um, Chase, my number one. I mean, he even has a chance to break, like, the rookie receiving yards record, which obviously this is an extended season. So, I mean, you know, there could be multiple 
records being broke this year. But yeah, that's just pretty much the same list I had. Only other thing I added is that Mac Jones could come back with him. The Patriots kind of rolling right now. It's like if he had some kind of incredible second half of the season, he could win rookie of the year with him being the best quarterback that was drafted this year. Yeah, I mean, speaking of fantasy, both of y'all part of the uh, 20, 20 man uh, 30-4 sports league as well, which has been a bit crazy. Uh, Derek Henry broke my heart. Did, but I, I think I gave up on that one. I think I gave up is something that's just well, you, are against, me, you are against me this week, but oh. there's not <laughs> okay. There, there, I, I, I will say it's all sadness for you. I don't know if you have much of a shot. No, my team's awful. Well, I mean, your team's decent. It's just you never changed out like Alexander Madison. Uh, yeah, it was once. It was like whenever I had like I was like one and three, one and four. I'm like, uh, season's over. I barely check it anymore. Yeah, but no, nah, my season's still been going pretty good, going for Dan's throne. But yeah, I mean, I'm right up there with y'all on Wednesday. I put one, two is Shamar and Micah, and then obviously the rest you can even go back and look, but. You know, pretty st- typical names that you'll hear on the rookie of the year list. How about the uh, MVP list there for either of y'all? I think Tom Brady, as a 44 year old, could win MVP. Because, like, this is kind of the same thing I said about Chase is that he can break a record this year, which, like I said before, it's an extra game. I mean, not only that, uh, he has 25 touchdowns, five interceptions, which, which what I've seen mostly looking up this is like a lot of people had Josh Allen in second, who has 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. So, I mean, I just, I just think Tom Brady's just kind of ahead above everyone right now. Obviously, Kyler Murray could still come back uh, from his injury and, you know, put together the rest of the season since he is on the best team right now. And, you know, that's most of the time uh, MVP goes out to someone on, like, one of the best teams in the league. And really one thing I got out of last night is that Lamar Jackson, I don't think he really has a chance at MVP anymore if he keeps playing the way he did last night. Yeah, I agree with Ethan there, uh, Tom Brady just is ageless. I don't understand how he, how he does it. I don't understand how his wife still lets him play because um, she said four years ago, you know, it's time to hang it up and be with the family more. And Tom was like, no, nah, I'm going to go out and win like two more rings, like just to, you know, flex on everyone. Like he has – he literally has a ring for every finger on his hand and one, one other finger. So it's – he just amazes me every year. Um, I'm I'm a huge Steelers fan. Um, so he has broken my Steelers heart multiple times. I absolutely. Yeah, and it was very hard to watch him with you know the Patriots because I couldn't stand the Patriots for the longest time. And now seeing him in Tampa Bay where he's kind of more relaxed, more of like himself, I kind of have like grown to like him uh, recently. And that's it's not me being a bandwagon. Like people will call me a bandwagon. It's like, no, like I genuinely like the player now. You know, he's not that uh, yelling and screaming type of quarterback where it's just like all about him. Like he understands that, okay, I'm in the latter part of my career and, you know, I want to embrace every single moment from now on and, you know, have fun with it instead of just being all serious all the time. Uh, so he's he, – I think he'll end up winning it as well. I think Brady kind of – once he went to 
Tampa he's kind of become like undisputed like you know you whenever he's with the Patriots it was like such a thing to hate on him I, I was on it too um but like it was I just once he went to Tampa he's kind of come undeniable that he probably is the greatest quarterback that's ever played football and it's it's undeniable at this point like it a couple five six years ago you might be like no you know he it, you know there's people better than him but I mean it's it's the agelessness and just how good he's been I just I don't think there's an argument against him anymore I was a Peyton Manning holdout until last year. Um, I, I, I tried as long as I might. And even last year, I was kind of waiting. I was like, eh, because Brady had so many rings and he'd been so successful. But, um, no, nah, I'm not a Manning holdout anymore. He's He still has a special place in my heart uh, just for how awesome a QB he was. That's like my first NFL game I ever watched was the Super Bowl of uh, Indianapolis versus New Orleans. And I don't know. I, I think I realized this week that part of part of my possibly being a Colts fan uh, was that first moment. And my mother and I rooting for the Colts while my dad won the Saints. Actually, I, I think my mother won the Saints. I don't remember. Something like that. Two of us rooted for the Colts, one root for the Saints, and the one who rooted for the Saints got it right. Um, but I digress. Yeah, it's he's an incredible player. Um, obviously, I had Lamar Jackson at the top of my list uh, before this Thursday night game happened. So we'll see if that's going to be able to hold out. But I, I would still kind of like just kind of like quietly mutter in the background that Lamar still has earned it. But we'll see. So, yeah, just want to get a little bit of input there. Some things that uh, we had on this week as well that I just want to make sure that you guys could touch up on because otherwise that the other episode was purely NFL outside of like one other thing. So going into this week now, we are at the point of the episode of every Friday for listeners who have been uh, tuning in every Friday that we are at the pick segment of the episode. Now, how we plan to do it is this, we're going to have one of y'all read off the uh, Dan's power rankings with me. And we'll go one and one. We'll start from the bottom lead to the top, and I'll lead off first. And then for the picks, we're going to do something similar. Um, and for the listeners at home, so you know, we're going to get a, a, Ethan and uh, Joey will get a couple chances uh, to mention what changes they possibly make to either of our power rankings. And then in the pick segment, they can also mention who they would pick for this week um, uh, with a little bit of reason as to why. So, without further ado, gentlemen, are you ready for the ACC Power Rankings? The first two people to do it outside of Dan and I. Let's do it. All right. So, let's rock it up. In 14th spot here for me, it's a bit scary, particularly with the matchup that's coming this week, but Duke is going to remain at number 14 for me. Uh, They had a pretty decent performance last week against Pittsburgh, but they weren't able to win. Pittsburgh stormed back and then destroyed them. Um, so I think Pittsburgh, uh, you know, Pittsburgh able to survive there and Duke really able to do nothing after a, a nice start. So Duke is still the worst team in the ACC, the only team without a win in the ACC. Yep. Dan agreed with you on that one. He picked Duke and I'm guessing he's thinking the same thing that you are, that they are just, they just aren't it in the ACC this year. Yeah. Uh, at 13 for myself, I actually went ahead and went with the Florida state Seminoles, um, they haven't been like hot, hot. They're a team that like th- there's been more respect thrown on them as the season's gone on, but 
as other teams have started to get better, um, I just view those teams a little bit higher light than I do Florida State. Um, Florida State also losing to NC State, and I think they lost, yeah, they lost it last week too against Clemson. So they're on a multi-game losing streak. Uh, the little bit of that, the streak that they're starting to get in the middle of the season has kind of uh, worn off. So Seminoles not looking as bright as they were uh, in October. So stick them then there at 13. Yeah, for Dan, he had uh, Georgia Tech after their 30 to 33 loss to Miami. And as we haven't mentioned uh, uh, Virginia Tech yet, that's probably another reason. The fact that Virginia Tech is uh, still not been mentioned uh, and Virginia Tech still beating them. Now for me, that didn't matter for me as I go ahead and have Virginia Tech at number 12. Um, it was an embarrassing loss against Boston College. Um, Carter and I talked about it uh, on the Beat Writer episode uh, that we recorded yesterday. It was, it was just an abysmal game. And when there, you don't know if it's going to be Braxton Burmeister or Knox Tatum, um, that's definitely something that makes this team lower. Like truly Knox Kadem is not a, even at the level of Braxton Burmeister. And then just as we thought that, that the offense was finally starting to figure something out, they go and do nothing against Boston College. So defense is in a little bit of a downswing. The offenses looks dreadful for most of the season and got back into looking dreadful against Boston College. I had to stick BT down here at 12. And I think Virginia Tech fans would be delusional if they are not nervous for this weekend that we can at least put up a win here in Blacksburg. Uh, Dan also had Virginia Tech at 12. And as a Virginia Tech fan, I say I am a little bit nervous, especially after zero offense last week. I mean, the offense is just yep. so bad right now that, I mean, there's nothing really else to say about them. that they're definitely bottom tier in the ACC. And I don't think, like, I think tomorrow will definitely be you know, kind of deciding if Tech is like, you know, if they've been this bad or what. I'll, I'll jump in here. I've been a Tech fan since I was seven. I grew up in Runner, Virginia, so I've been coming to Tech games for many years. Just these last four years, we've just been so inconsistent. And, you know, it's it just seems like, you know, everyone says, oh, now Virginia Tech's a basketball school. I completely agree. And it breaks, you know, Hokie fans' hearts because football was, you know, the culture built around Virginia Tech. Like, even when, you know, the horrible shooting happened, people rallied around that Virginia Tech and East Carolina football game just because it helped them get over that grief. You know, football has always been here in Blacksburg, you know, lunch pail defense, Bud Foster, everything like that. And I mean, I, I even remember freshman year, I come into uh, one of the lectures and, you know, up on the board, the teacher uses an example of the lunch pail defense as like, I forget what lesson it was because it was three years ago. Um, <laughs> But that's just like how we've always identified ourselves as. And it, you know, just seems like now we've kind of moved away from that. Like, you know, I know a ton of students now that are selling their tickets for tomorrow game for tomorrow's game. Um, you know, it's gonna be cold. We don't know who's gonna be quarterback. And if it's Knox Gatum, it's not looking too good for the Hokies. Not a knock on him. I have a class with him. He's actually a really nice guy, but 
he, he just doesn't have it. And it's not necessarily his fault either. I mean, Virginia Tech has not developed their quarterbacks at all. I mean, they had two two quarterbacks on the uh, 2021 NFL draft uh, prospect list either committed or uh, played at Virginia Tech. And those two are Hendon Hooker, Malik Willis of Liberty, who was originally committed to Virginia Tech, but then decommitted, and Hendon Hooker of Tennessee. And, you know, Hooker was nowhere near the talent level that he's at now here than he was uh, at Virginia Tech. And it's just kind of like a throw our arms up in the air, like, what the heck happened? Like, Tennessee's coaching staff, you know, they brought him up to that caliber of player that he was. Everyone in Blacksburg knew he could be that type of that type of player. He has a great arm and stuff, and it's just athletic and knows how to read defenses. But, you know, when play calling's going bad, then it just brings him down to another level. And it just seems like we've just moved away from the football culture here. Quarterback whisperer, Justin Fuente. To go ahead here, though, and to not be too dreadful here on Virginia Tech, we'll we'll have more time for that possibly uh, in the pick segment. I mean, we always pick the Virginia Tech games. We'll talk about it then, even if we want to. Uh, Moving on to 11 now but for us, uh, I actually decided to go Boston College. They did beat Virginia Tech, um, and it was their first win, the ACC. Um, But my concern here with them and why they wouldn't rise even a little bit more is that Yurkovic didn't look great against Virginia Tech. He looks okay. Like, for a comeback game, there isn't too much more that personally, if I was a Boston College fan, I would have expected from him, um, particularly against a good defense. But he was miss- he was underthrowing some passes. He was missing some passes. So I still think there's enough for Boston College fans or the team to really be absolutely jazzed this week before Georgia Tech and saying, yeah, we're going to beat them. Um, I think there's still a little bit of concern there. We'll see what happens, but uh, Boston College, of course, getting their win against Virginia Tech, and with that, and with Virginia Tech already being one of the high rankings, that's why they moved ahead of them. Boston College at 11. For Dan, he had Florida State at 11, where they lost to NC State this past week, 14-28. Yeah, I remember where Dan had them before then. I would assume that that means he probably had them up a spot or two. Uh Oh, no, actually, he may have had Florida State move up ahead of Virginia Tech, even though they lost, but uh, I digress here. Because I know a lot of our lists – our list last week was basically on point until, like, we talked about where, like, the Clemson-Syracuse-Louisville uh, area. But, yeah, to move on to the number 10 pick as we're moving out of the bottom four, uh, I went with Georgia Tech here, uh, losing a close game to Miami, who's starting to become quickly one of the best teams in the ACC – uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but Georgia Tech, uh, you know, it's not like it was a, a horrible loss to them. Um, so, you know, a little bit in it, it was at Miami. So being able to compete with them at their own home stadium is pretty good. Uh, you know, just need a little bit more there out of Georgia Tech. I think if they lose this week against Boston College, I'd probably be willing to put them at 13 like Dan has. But um, yeah, they're, they're kind of like they're on thin ice for me. And next for Dan, he had Boston College after their win over Tech, as we just said. So, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, moving there from 10 to 9, uh, I went ahead and went with Louisville. Louisville uh, losing this past week to Clemson, a team that I expected them to beat for the past three weeks. Uh, their, and their offense just didn't show up. And you can't be having that uh, against a team that, you know, is um, meant to be an offensive, like, not juggernaut in the ACC, but they, like, when you were looking at them at the beginning part of the season, they looked like they're one of the best offenses. So, they moved down a few spots there on my list. Uh, losing to Clemson at home is not a great look to me. So moving on down to nine. Yeah, uh, for nine, Dan had UNC after their 58-55 win versus Wake. I mean, uh, watching that game, that was just a crazy game, especially since Wake, you know, they're one of the upper teams in the ACC. I mean, UNC kind of took them down, and that's kind of what you expected out of UNC coming into this year was these big games out of them. But they've just kind of been disappointing this year. Yeah, it certainly have been, and UNC is actually the team that's going to be at number eight for me. Um, a, a huge win against Wake Forest definitely propelled them up this list a little bit. Um, the Pittsburgh game actually also happened this week. Uh, not really something that I view too negatively yet. I'm going to see how that's going to change on the power rankings. I will say that it did change one aspect of my rankings, but it didn't change the UNC's spot just because uh, they did go into overtime. If anything, UNC might possibly rank higher next week. We'll see. Um, but yeah, the Tar Heels getting at eight, actually being able to get offense in against Wake Forest and a huge comeback. Big shout out to Ty Chandler. Yeah, for Dan, he had Miami at eight. Uh, like you said, they're kind of going upwards in the ACC. So we'll have to see how the rest of the season goes for them. At number seven, I have Syracuse Orange. Uh, they've been pretty good here ever since beating Virginia Tech. Uh, now they were on the buy, so there really wasn't anything for me to do here. I remember if they rose or dropped for me. I don't have my other uh, power rankings list pulled up in front of me. Um, but you know, if if they went higher or lower, it's barely by anything uh, since they're on that bye week. And Dan had uh, Louisville at seven after twenty four thirty loss to Clemson. A surprise with Louisville ending up at seven, specifically when they also have a record that is equal to that of. Florida State, half game back of Syracuse, half game back of VT. So, I mean, that's why I kind of dropped them as well. But, you know, we can, we can all – Dan and I have had different lists most of these weeks. So, he, he raced some, oh, some things higher than others. Uh, remember, he was a big holdout for Boston College until, like, just a couple of weeks ago. And now Boston College is turning things around. Uh, number six is where I finally had the Miami Hurricanes. I talked about it on – the Monday episode of the pod that there is a team that's making me nervous uh, for that top three in the ACC um, because I because I asked Dan a question this week. Uh, I don't know if you were able to either you were able to catch the episode, but the question was was do we feel that Pittsburgh and Wake Forest are now locks for the ACC title game? And I said no, and I said no because of one team. He thought it was North Carolina State. That wasn't quite where I was thinking, though I also am a big fan of North Carolina State. We'll talk about them later on this power ranking. My reasoning was because I have a weird feeling that Miami's somehow going to pull it out. Uh, Pittsburgh still has two hard games. Miami doesn't really. They have Virginia Tech, and they have uh, Florida State and Duke. Those are three really winnable games for Miami. Van Dyke has been incredible this season, um, and he's going to be a quarterback for the future. Uh, like at this point, he seems like he's going to be the next best ACC quarterback. Um, when we thought that Uigalele, um, or I, I'm probably missing his name there, but the quarterback comes in, um, 
definitely not really showing it up this year. Van Dyke certainly has. Um, ever since taking like over the team, like three games in, he's almost thrown 2,000, uh, 2000 yards. Um, for some odd reason, they have a weird list here. Like they, they broke the Miami list because I'm trying to describe it for you, but they have Johnny Manziel here. <laughs> I don't even know what season Johnny Manziel they have. They have Manziel and Joe Flynn showers. So ESPN fixed that. Good Lord. But Van Dyke, you know, not too far off 2000 yards. Um, has been really solid for Miami this year, and I think is a guy who could possibly take them over Pittsburgh. Um, and Pittsburgh, of course, having an overtime win against UNC uh, the day before we recorded this. So Pittsburgh's been showing in these past few weeks that they are vulnerable, Miami being the team to knock them off. So that's why Miami's at six for me. How about dance number six? Uh, he had Syracuse, but like you said, they came off their bye. I mean, they've been trending upwards ever since Virginia so- Tech. And, I mean, before that, would they lose three or four games in a row by, like, three points? Five by field four. goal, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they've been in it all season. Just haven't been on the right side of the win column. But, I mean, I can definitely see why you put him them at number six with kind of the season they've had. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've been a big fan of Syracuse this season, so I, I, I can feel that. I mean, he only has a one spot higher than me. Uh, five, I have Clemson. Clemson seems to finally be finding a little bit of a stride here. Uh, this is their second game in a row where they have had um, – I just want to make sure I'm right on this. Yes, yeah, their second game in a row where they've had more than two offensive touchdowns. So, here real quick. Comes in finally finding an offense. Uh, that's crazy coming from, you know, the people who have been rooting for another struggling offense all year. But still, Clemson's offense has been one of the worst in the nation. Um a lot of the power five teams being better than them. They've had now two weeks in a row there where they scored three, uh, three touchdowns or possibly more on offense. Um, so big shout out to them. Big one against Louisville. And they're just trying to wrap up this season and look at least decent. They still have a chance in the Atlantic to make it out on top, but I don't think it will happen. So they, they only have one game left, I think in ACC play, and that is, again, yeah, their last game is against Wake Forest at home, and then otherwise they have South Carolina and UConn. So they probably aren't going to make it into the Atlantic. Uh, actually, they 100% cannot, because even if they beat Wake Forest, um, they'd only have one tiebreaker. So then even if NC State and Clemson beat them, I think NC State would then go over. I don't know, but, yeah, I think they lose out on tiebreakers to anyone. So, I mean, good for them, though, that they've been able to bounce back here towards the end. Dan also had Clemson at number five, and I think you hit it perfectly. I don't think there's much more I could say about them. Yeah. Uh, number four, we have UVA. I debated dropping them lower I'm, because I'm concerned about Brennan Armstrong's injury. We haven't heard anything yet. Um, there's a point that Dan, I know, makes on one of his picks about Brennan Armstrong, and we'll get to that. Um, but Brennan Armstrong's been carrying this team. He's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Someone who's been raising his draft stock this year. I'm hoping that he's like a minimum third round pick quarterback, in my opinion. Like he's good. He's someone that should probably be a backup for a team or tossing it up with like some other low round pick or something like that. So big year offensively for UVA um, and Brennan Armstrong, uh, but they were on the bye. So I just couldn't move them up or down. Yeah, Dan also had UVA at. Uh number four, and I assume it's also because of the buy and everything that's going on with them right now. I would switch, for my rankings, I would switch 
Virginia uh, down to six and Miami up to four, just because of just, just a little little shakeup. Um, Van Dyke has been playing out of his mind, and it seems like Miami's trending upwards more than Virginia. I mean, UVA lost to BYU a couple weeks ago, and I think they gave up like 50, over 50 points, I believe. I think it was 66. 66, so even makes my point even more. Makes my point even more. If UVA had a good defense, I could definitely put them at four, but they just don't. They have one of the worst defenses in Power Five. And, yeah, as good of an offense that they have, which they have a really good, high-powered offense, I just don't see how you could put them over Miami. Miami has, you know, better star talent. Um, you know, they've been trending upward. Virginia's still coming off a bye, and then they've got to play Notre Dame this week, um, which I don't think is going to go well for them at all. But who knows? Uh, Brennan Armstrong's still status up in the air. I believe it was a rib injury is what they mm-hmm. said. Um, so who knows? The initial reports were saying that he was probably going to be out for the season, and that kind of made some Virginia Tech fans' ears perk up a little bit. Like, all right, maybe we do have a shot against UVA now. But who, so who knows? Who knows in that situation? But I, I just think Miami's been a better team as of late, and yeah, hasn't given up sixty-six points to BYU. So I put them at four. I, I will say a little bit of an inside secret since you did mention this. I really did debate that. I was actually, I was seriously debating putting Miami. Not four, I would have put Clemson up at four then, but I was debating putting Miami five and dropping UVA below them. Um, I just couldn't do it this week since UVA had the buy and since Clemson had a positive result. But I was originally this week eyeing up Miami going to four. So, tr- so yeah, trust me, we, we are on the same wavelength. I just couldn't do it this week, personally. Uh, moving into the top three, though, as well, I do very much love that uh, change that you would have made, though. I have Wake Forest here. Um, they picked up their first loss in a huge uh, choke of a lead. We've obviously seen a couple of choked leads this year um, at, at uh, Lane Stadium, but to see a choked lead like that is very crazy and just not a good result there for Wake Forest, um, particularly when, uh, I mean, the good news for them is it's technically a non-conference game because that's the way it was scheduled as, but now that you lost to a team that overall is in conference and you have, you know, the second best team in the Atlantic uh, or at least second best in the rankings right now at NC state, uh, you've still got Clemson to go at Clemson. And then you've got Boston college to go with a healthy Yurkovic. Now that makes things a little bit scarier here for the demon Deacons who looks like the clear cut best team in the ACC for a good portion of the season. So demon Deacons are definitely scary for us in a scared spot for me which is why I have them at three, but this, I guess, partly predicting who I think is going to win this week between the two of them. For Dan, he had uh, NC State at number three after beating Florida State this past week. And then at number two, I have Pittsburgh. Um, Now, originally, uh, as before this show, uh, we were even talking, uh, uh, like, at, before we started recording, and Joey did say that he would have put Pittsburgh at two over Wake Forest. Uh, I originally had Wake Forest at two, and that's what I was thinking. But originally I was like, well, the game is technically a part of this week, so I don't want to change my rankings based off it. But then I'm like, eh, screw it. I mean, I, I have 
the opportunity to be able to change my rankings based off of what I've seen. And what I saw was Pittsburgh, though it did take them into overtime, they were able to get a good win against uh, North Carolina, um, able to hold on to that game and win, getting the only score of overtime. So big props to the Panthers. That's why they're going to go at two for me, good grit. I mean, North Carolina, they're a team that on any given week could beat anyone in the country. Just with down, uh, downs and you know how, just how high power their offense is, they could easily be in a shootout with any team any week. Now, as go as far as the ACC, I'm not sure about some SEC teams, but um, you know, Carolina just seems like you know they got the win versus Wake, and you know kept Pitt in check for most of the game, and even came back to kind of give them a run for their money a little bit. You know, Carolina is a, still a really good team, and Pitt is um, a really good team as well. So, honestly, looking at what I just said now, I'd still have Pitt at two. Wake it. I'm not sure if I'd put it three, though, because, I mean, every team will have one bad week. Sam Hartman's still a, absolutely a baller. Um their offense is absolutely ridiculous, and Dave Clawson is a really good head coach. And I honestly think that Wake will go all the way and um, probably win the ACC this year. If not, then it's either going to be them or uh, Pitt. And honestly, Pitt, like you did mention earlier, Pitt is vulnerable at times. Um I mean, Pickett hasn't been as dominant as he was at the start of the season, but, you know, we'll see what that happens there. But I think Wake is just had one bad week, and Carolina just really showed out that week. So I would put Wake a bit higher on the list, but that's my opinion. For Dan, he also had Pitt at number two, but correct me if I'm wrong, I think he made these before the game last night. So He did. Yeah, so, I mean – for my I don't, opinion, think, I don't think he shifts them up to one though. Yeah, uh, for my opinion, I think you put Pitt over Wake Forest now, but I mean, I guess we'll just have to see because I believe that's who will be in the ACC championship, and I think Pitt will win the ACC this year. I mean, I can see that, and yeah, I mean, both those teams have been good, but my number one, the only team that I haven't mentioned, is going to be the Wolf Pack. I've been huge on the Wolf Pack throughout this season. Um, I said that they were a team that uh, I remember my original quote on this team at the beginning of this power rankings was that they can have the highest of highs, but they could also have the lowest of lows. And surprisingly enough, we haven't really seen those lowest of lows. North Carolina State does have a loss this year, but their only loss is by a singular point away from home against a heating up Miami. That's been their only loss. They, it wasn't a comeback loss. It was They were in the game the whole time. Going to the fourth quarter, it was a 24-20 Miami lead, and NC State was really close to coming back. It was uh, as the game finished 31-30. Like, there was a chance that NC State could have won during that fourth quarter. Uh, they had a 50% chance um, with, like, not too much time left. I, I can't quite see how much time is left on that. Four minutes and 30 when they had, like, a good sack or something, but – I digress. This NC State game the team has been a lot more consistent than even I would have expected. Dan Leary has been incredible, um, a quarterback that doesn't get enough praise, though. In fairness to him, he uh, or Devin Leary, 
I apologize, but like in fairness to him, you're in a division with Sam Hartman, Sam Howell, um, Kenny Pickett. It's kind of hard to be able to overlook those guys. But Devin Leary, I think, is definitely a name to look for uh, towards uh, in a future draft here as he's a sophomore. Um, and NC State knows how to produce quarterbacks. I mean, if you remember, they originally were the team that recruited Wilson. Uh, they, they're the team that raised up Phillip Rivers. Uh, I know they have another quarterback that I'm spacing right now that they raised up. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, who's been a starter off and on in the NFL. I think they have some other guys, but Devin Leary is definitely a name. I think he should be looking towards next year to possibly even grow more in the ACC. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I'm definitely a big, I'm high on Devin Leary. I'm high on Zach Knight. Um, or I want to make sure I'm not wrong. No, it's Zonovan Knight. I keep, this is such a unique name. I keep forgetting that Zonovan or not Zach, but there's even per, uh, they even have a good like two headed uh, backfield with Ricky person junior in there as well. I think this is a very consistent NC state team. I think they're arguably the most balanced team in the ACC. And the reason I have them over wake, we'll talk about more at the picks, but I think that NC state is going to beat wake Forest this week. And I think that NC state is going to put position themselves in the driver's seat to win the, uh, to win the Atlantic division. I just love this team a lot. I think they're really well built. Yeah, for Dan at number one, he had Wake Forest after their shootout loss versus UNC. Uh, like you said, he uh, you have North Carolina State number one. I guess we'll see how that game goes this week and see how that affects the standings in the ACC. Absolutely. And uh, is there any changes that you would make, Ethan, before we go into the picks here? Uh, like I said, I think the only thing would be Pittsburgh over Wake now. But besides that, not really. All right, so there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our pick segment of this week. Uh, Dan, Dan and I know we're close to being on the same page as we were the week prior. But past that, we are now into the pick segment. Uh, and then for the pick segment, we'll have Joey reading off the picks. Uh, you, you both can give a, a bit of, as I preface, a bit of a short opinion if you want to on these picks as well. Um, we have, of course, the traditional 16, eight in college, eight in the pro. And we'll see how we go from here. So to start off this week, um, we have a huge matchup here in the Big Ten as John Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines are going to be going into Penn State, uh, Nittany Lion territory. Uh, it's a one and a half spread in favor of Michigan. Uh, I currently have the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Michigan does have a pretty hard schedule here wrapping up towards the end of the season, but I don't see Penn State being the team to challenge them. I mean, they're the team that lost to Sean Evans as Illinois. Like I, I, I don't rate Penn State that highly. I think they're in, like they have a lot of consistency issues. Uh, personally, it might be a little bit of a hot take, but I view Maryland as more of a challenge for them than Penn State. Because um, for Maryland, at least their offense has generally been good. Like when I've when I've been able to see them, maybe their offense has fallen off a bit. But um, I'm gonna go with Michigan. Uh, they aren't going to be back at Ann Arbor until they play Ohio State, but that's really the biggest game left on their schedule. I don't think Penn State's that much of a challenge. So Dan decided to also go with Michigan on this one. Um, honestly, I'm going to have to disagree. I think this could be a trap game, another trap game for Michigan. Penn State always finds a way to play well in these big games. I mean, they played Ohio State pretty close two weeks mm -hmm. ago, uh, beat, beat Maryland pretty handily. Maryland only held Maryland to only 14 points last week. Um, I just don't believe in Michigan. I just don't see 
you know, they had they've had one solid game or solid matchup with versus a top 25 team and they lost and they were up. Uh, That's fair. I want to say at least by 14 and they blew the lead, uh, especially in a rivalry game too, the Paul Bunyan rivalry. And, you know, they just seemed like it was flat. They couldn't really score the ball in the second, uh, the fourth quarter. So I'm going to have to go with Penn state on this one. I think Penn state will pull a shocker here this weekend. Yeah, I think I would go Michigan on that one. I don't think I have really any respect for Penn State after their crazy game with uh, Illinois a couple weeks back. So that's I'm against Penn State after that game. That was an awful game by them. So I, I'll stick with Michigan. I think they I think they can pull this one out. So a bit of a three to one matchup there uh, in favor of Michigan uh, this week. But moving on uh, past the Big Ten, that we will revisit it pretty quickly. Uh, we have another game. I assume it's at the same hour. It's going to be a very big matchup here is Oklahoma's going to play the third best, I believe, team in the Big 12, that being Baylor, at Baylor's home territory. Dan and I were talking about this week that Oklahoma does have a strong uh, a, 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 a strong end to their season and that we both think it's going to be hard for them to finish the season undefeated. Will Baylor be the team to knock them off? Uh, and to me personally – uh, I said this on the podcast already. I don't think so. I think Baylor might tee them up for Iowa State or for both those teams to team up for Oklahoma State. But I don't think that Oklahoma is going to lose this week. I think Baylor is going to give them a really good fight because Baylor has been in every single game like that they play this year. Um, they have had an excellent start to this rebuild. I mean, it's, it's honestly not even – it's hard to really even consider the rebuild anymore with how good this team is, but – I digress. I don't think Baylor is going to be able to pull it off this week. I wish they could because it'd be really a cool story, but I am going to put OU over here. Yeah, Dan also went with Oklahoma on this one, and I think I'm going to have to agree with all with both of you guys. Uh, Oklahoma has just been playing out of their minds lately. Uh, Baylor's a pretty good team. They're probably going to give them a pretty good fight, but I, I think in the end, Oklahoma will figure it out. Yeah figure out a way to um, pull this one out. So Oklahoma. I'm going to have to fourth the Oklahoma pick just because they have to win this game. If they're going to do anything, maybe a playoff run, anything like that. They, just, they have to win this game versus Baylor. If not, they're, I'd say their season's probably sunk. Yeah, every, everyone here for the uh, Boomer Sooners. And to move on now to a huge spread, but also a huge game, uh, it's going to be the Purdue Boilermakers who've been playing giant killer this season uh, coming up against the biggest remaining giant uh, that they can play in the big 10 with that being Ohio state who've been incredible ever since losing to Oregon. Uh, I will say to definitely hammer the plus 21 uh, spread against Purdue, or I mean the, the plus one spread that Purdue would have, because I do think this will be a close game, but I do think the Buckeyes are going to pull this out. I think the Buckeyes have, uh, comparatively to the other teams that uh, Boilermakers beat, I think that they actually have a consistent like offense all around. Michigan State, I think, has a little bit of a struggle if, uh, under Peyton Thorne at times, so they'll have to rely, rely on Kenneth Walker a lot, who's my Heisman favorite. Um, whereas with Iowa, um, though it looks like they're building up an offense at a point, we found out that they have no offense again, so... With that in mind, I think this is the best offense that Purdue's come up against. It's going to be fun. They'll probably be high scoring because I think David Bell is going to outclass their secondary just because I really like him as a receiver. 
Um, but Ohio State will be the team to pull it out. Dan was in agreement with you there. He also went Ohio State. I'm going to go Ohio State as well. You know, Purdue has played giant killer, but CJ Stroud has been absolutely phenomenal these past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I just think Ohio State's just too big of a hill for Purdue to climb. So I believe Ohio he's a State. freshman too. I think he's a future Heisman winner. Stroud's just incredible. He's definitely up there in that list for me. As much I would love to say that Purdue is going to win this game after having an awesome season, I don't think they can. It's kind of my same point as Oklahoma. This Ohio State can't lose this game if they plan on doing anything playoff-wise. And obviously, I mean, they're 21-point favorite for a reason. So, I mean, I think they got – Ohio State's got this one. Yeah, uh, two freshmen there in Ohio State with it being their leading runner and their leading quarterback. I knew if someone was a Virginian on there. Shout-out Travion Henderson at a Hopewell, Virginia. Um, who's been an absolute beast uh, for the Buckeyes uh, since taking over. But, yeah, we're all going to be in favor of the Buckeyes for this game. Uh, I mean, Michigan and Michigan State is going to be hard, but you need to win this game, particularly with those two teams left. Uh, The next game we're going to go to is going to be a a little bit of a trip down south to the SEC, as the Aggies, who have definitely been on fire, are going to be up against the Ole Miss uh, Rebels, a team that I've definitely been high on this year. Uh, has another one of my Heisman favorites of Matt Coral. And though I desperately want to go with Ole Miss in this matchup, I don't think that they're like his, like they've really matched up well against AM historically. Uh, I was trying so hard to see if there's a Lane Kiffin Jimbo Fisher record I could pull up or something, but I couldn't find anything between the two coaches. And the only thing I could find was between the teams and that Texas AM has been pretty comfortable in this. Uh, quote-unquote rivalry at the very least SEC matchup so with that in mind I'm gonna go with the Aggies I think they're a strong team I think they're arguably the strongest defense in the SEC well not no not strongest second strongest behind Georgia I think that I think they're the clear-cut second strongest defense in the SEC right now um and I think that's just gonna be very hard for Matt Cole to be able to exploit when you've been playing uh flag football defenses otherwise so give me the Aggies yeah, Dan decided to go with the uh, Aggies as well this week. For me, I, I just don't know about this game. It's a tale of both sides of the ball. So Ole Miss ranks sixth uh, in the nation in total yards and 538. I mean, their offensive stats are ridiculous. Um, compared to on the other side, Texas A&M's offensive stats are not ridiculous whatsoever uh, so old miss clearly has the advantage as far as offense goes however defense old their texas a&m definitely has the advantage so it's just kind of a pick em game for me and to be honest i think i think old miss does it i think matt corral finally finds his footing once again um against a tough defense i think uh old miss is gonna you know i think lane kiffin will get the uh better of jimbo fisher and I mean, it's, I believe it's at Ole Miss, correct? It is. Yeah. Even better. I'm going to go with the home field advantage there. I think Ole Miss does it. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with like the home field advantage. I'm big on that, especially in college with the atmospheres and stuff. So, yeah, I think, I think Ole Miss can pull this one out for sure. Oh, you guys are really making me debate my pick because I wanted to go with Ole Miss so bad. I want to stick with the Aggies. I'm stick with the Aggies, but 
Oh man, I I've wanted to go Ole Miss so bad because I want Mac Rule to still have a chance to the Heisman campaign, but it hurts. It hurts. Uh, taking a trip now to what should technically be ACC play, but still isn't. It's going to be the Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking a, a trip to Charlottesville to take on UVA, a team that's possibly going to be Brennan Armstrong-less. But even with Brennan Armstrong, I'm surprisingly still going to go with the Fighting Irish. Um, without Brennan Armstrong, this is going to be you know a game where you pound uh, the, anything Notre Dame because I don't know who Virginia's backup quarterback is, but they are not Brendan Armstrong. And as long as I don't see Armstrong on the back of that quarterback's jersey, I have no confidence in them. Um, but even if Brendan Armstrong's in, Notre Dame's actually been looking pretty good against the ACC this year. They've been looking decent overall. Their only loss being to another top 10 team. Um, and I really like that defense of Notre Dame. And it seems like even their offense has been starting to find a rhythm since we've really last taken a big look at them uh, here on the pod. So I'm going to go with the Fighting Irish through and through. Yeah, Dan decided to go with the Fighting Irish as well. And I think I will do as well. Uh, I just don't believe, even if UVA had Armstrong, that defense is just so, so horrid. Um, Well, I will say this. Dan did right because he, he put some notes in the pick games um, of that I forgot to mention. But the, the first one was this Michigan-Penn State thing, which is just talking about the lines going everywhere. Um, but for this one, he did say that if Brendan Armstrong was clear, he would go UVA, but he's currently going Notre Dame because he doesn't know if Armstrong's clear. Well, and Notre Dame's one of those teams that they always seem to have, like, a really good season. You know, everything's going their well. Yeah, like they find their footing, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's that one game where yep. it just takes the life out of them. And if they had Armstrong, I could see the side of, you know, maybe this is the game uh, that does it. And if I just don't think Armstrong's going to play. And looking at UVA, uh, UVA's backup quarterback's name is Jay Wolfuck. Um, He was two for five with 35 yards in the – probably the latter end of the game versus BYU. I, I just got to go with the Fighting Irish. Yeah, I'll fourth the Fighting Irish on that one. I just – I don't think I could say anything you guys didn't say for Notre Dame. I think they can definitely win that one. Uh, staying in the ACC now with an actual ACC matchup, not a not a – we're going to schedule North Carolina and not a conference game matchup. We have – the big game for the Atlantic Conference, what might possibly decide the division, North Carolina State Wolfpack versus the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And I've already said this all, I said this today, and I'm going to say it again. I think the Wolfpack win this game. They have been a consistent team all year. They have been like consistent ever since ACC play has started. Their only loss since ACC play started was a one-point loss against a heating up Miami. There, there's not much more else for me to say. I think Devin Leary's incredible. I think that they can rely on their running game. And we've seen from Wake Forest in multiple weeks now that they can't always rely on Beal Smith. I think uh, I don't think Beal Smith had a good game, if I remember right, against uh, Army. Um, I'm going to see Duke, but he definitely didn't have a good game against North Carolina. Uh, Beal Smith, that was 871 on Army, so he was good there. But against Duke, it had to go to – what's this uh, – it's Christian Turner, who's a sophomore. Like, I, I just don't feel like Wake Forest has been able to rely on that running back, uh, uh, rely on that backfield as much as I feel like they should have been able to, uh, particularly with all the good stats that they've had as of late. So with that in mind, I just feel like 
North Carolina State has put up really good performances this year. Um, and I think they're the most just well-rounded team in the ACC. It's like these are the two most well-rounded teams in the ACC for me with Pittsburgh just below them. Uh, Talent-wise, I'm going to go with Wolfpack. Uh, I just have a feeling on it. So Dan actually decided to do the opposite. He's going to go with Wake on this one. And to be honest, I think I'm going to go with Wake on this one as well. NC State is a really, really good team, well-rounded, everything like that. But just looking at the schedule that Wake's had to play, I mean, just looking at their prior scores, I mean, they're putting up over 40 points a game on a week pretty much. The only – and even then, even if they didn't put up 40, they put up 35 37. or 37 yeah. or something like that. I, it, I find it very hard for Wake to not respond after what was that shootout at um, down in Chapel Hill. I think, I think Wake comes back. I think Sam Hartman has a great day. Uh, I think Jakari Roberson gets involved, and I think Wake, Wake uh, solidifies their – they're spot up at the top of the Atlantic. I'm going to go against you guys and say also uh, NC State just because, I mean, you've kind of got me convinced on them. I came in not like not knowing a lot on the team, but you've kind of got me convinced on them. I think they can win this. And, you know, I, I think they've had a good season, yeah. I don't know the Wolfpack champ, but I'm excited. I, I, I wanted someone on my side. I was, I was hoping I wasn't a lone dog there. Um, it was Wolfpack. <laughs> And we'll have one more ACC game to talk about, of course. We have one game prior to that, and it's going to be the Wazoo or Washington State coming up here against Oregon. Oregon being just relatively inconsistent this year. Uh, have a 14-point spread on them. I am going to go with the Ducks. I don't think this is the game that the Ducks lose in the Pac-12. I do think that they're going to lose a game in these last three weeks, um, which is going to help boost uh, Cincinnati for uh, Joey and I. Um but I think the Ducks went out here. They're at home. Uh, Wazoo isn't great. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Oregon. Dan also went with Oregon, and I will also go with Oregon as well. Quack, quack. Yeah. I'm going to go Oregon, too. I, I agree. They pro- I could see them losing a game, uh, but I don't think this is it. I think, I think Oregon's got this one, especially with that big spread. And the last game here to talk about in college football before we move on to the pro football side of things is going to be Virginia Tech at home against the Duke Blue Devils. And look, it's an 11 and a half point spread. We know that Virginia Tech is really good, or at least way better in a bigger spread than they are in the three-point spread. I didn't go with the three-point spread theory last week, and it, it we're not, neither Dan or I, and it bit us. We should have just, you know, went with the theory. I'm going with Duke in this game. And it sounds crazy. They haven't had a win in the ACC this year. They haven't looked great in the ACC this year. But here's how I view it. They have a talented running back in Mateo Durant. And we are, are, are the worst part about our defense is the run game. I think Durant is going to run down our throats. And I think that whether we have Braxton in or not, if Braxton's in, he's going to look really bad, I think, because whatever injury he had against Boston College, he couldn't come back in for. Otherwise, he's been taking painkillers on the like, sideline a lot this year, and he, like that's, that seems to be what's kept him in. Uh, I know that was like one of the clips I think they caught on college football or something. So 
we, we know he's been playing banged up this whole year. So for him to have to sit out for whatever injury he got to, I think is non-throwing arm is already concerning enough to me. So I'm concerned if he's in, and even if he's not in, I'm concerned with Knox Kadem as he has not looked good when he has come in, um, whether it's a fault of his own or not, he, he hasn't looked good. Um, the only way Virginia Tech wins this, I think, is if they have like maybe 12 passes and they just give the rest of the offensive opportunities to Thomas and uh, Blackshear. And even if they do do that, that means we're just going to be running out the clock and it's gonna basically going to be who scores more. And I trust just about any offense over ours at this point. So I'm going to go with the Duke Blue Devils to not only ruin our senior night, but to also ruin definitely the rest of our season as this is what we would all view as the most winnable game of our season. And this would be the third time this season that Virginia Tech lost to a team that didn't have a single win in the ACC. Another reason why I'm going for it. We are the get right team in the ACC. Duke's going to get right against us. Uh, Dan decided to go the opposite way. He's going to take the Hokies. Uh, for me, I'm going to take the Hokies as well. Um, it just seemed like last week everything was, you know, against Virginia Tech. Coming into the game, it was uh, Boston College's red bandana. Red bandana night uh, honoring uh, the fallen lacrosse player. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like – you know, everything that could go wrong did for Virginia Tech. Trey Turner's out for the game with the honestly one of the weirdest injuries I've ever heard in my life. Um, I believe the report was that he has air stuck in his throat. Yep. There's like a sternum injury. Don't know what that means. He's apparently seen all of these doctors um, and everything like that, and he can't fly. So he wasn't even up there at Boston College. That's one of Virginia Tech's offensive leaders um just even if it's not on the field on the sidelines you know picking everyone up yeah they didn't have that plus Burmeister gets hurt so then there's another uh thing that went wrong for them and then of course Dracovic coming back out of absolutely nowhere um Boston College releases a picture of the locker room and it, you see a Jerkovic jersey hanging up and then it kind of makes you wonder, okay, wait, is he actually coming back? And then he did. And that probably threw off Tech's game plan as far as the defense scheme goes because uh, no one expected him to come back. Everyone thought he was out for the season. But going back to this game, I think if Burmeister plays, I think the Hokies find a way to score on Duke's defense, which I don't believe is that great. Um, it's senior day in lane. You know, Virginia Tech is – they're looking to, you know, turn it around here. There really isn't that much to play for other than, you know, pride at this point. They're pretty much out of the coastal except for one super, super unlikely scenario where it's a three-way tie um, between the three and five teams at the end and somehow – I can't remember. It was the scenario they had to have Pitt lose the next two games, I think. And that Tech had to win out. Uh, but I think that scenario is now thrown out the window due to the Boston College loss. So there really isn't anything to play for other than pride. I do think Vermeister will play. Uh, I also have a class with him. I saw him. He seemed fine um, when talking to him. So. I, 
I'm not saying he will start. Mm-hmm. Let's not get it twisted. Um, I mean, he said he he feels somewhat good. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. But I think if Burmeister plays, Virginia Tech wins by at least 10 points. Yeah, um, I'm also going to go Virginia Tech, but just purely because, I mean, Duke doesn't have a win at this point of the season, kind of for a reason. But, I mean, I don't think I don't think it'll be an easy game to win. I don't think they'll be winning by no 10 points. Uh, I'd say Duke would cover that 11-and-a-half-point spread. But I just I, I feel like Tech can definitely get it done against a Duke team that hasn't really proved anything this year. They will be home, but I'm not sure if that even will make a difference at this point of the season because just how sad it seemed at Lane lately. It seemed like after that basketball game the other night, you know, like that, that was – a basketball game against Maine was more hyped than the last couple – football games were but I, I just I just feel like uh tech can pull it out even though their season's been on a downhill but I mean it's just Duke's just not very good to me and correct, correct me if I'm wrong but isn't this the first game that Duke has come back to lane since that 45 to 7 um absolutely well, yeah because the 40, 45 the 45 to something was our freshman year right yeah, so this is their first time coming back into lane since then, which was again on a Friday night, and that they absolutely demolished Virginia Tech. So Tech will be looking for revenge. That's another reason I hammer it home. You know, I mean, yeah, I will say it's kind of crazy. Uh, again, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with stuff, but. I will say I feel like I've almost become Anakin Skywalker in a sense. I started out with all this hope for Virginia Tech. I was all I was on the bright side. Uh, I said we were going to possibly be an eight-win team this year. I felt good about the offense, and now it becomes I almost feel like I've become cynical with picking this win against them. And I've I've joined the dark side of being cynical against this team. I'm not I'm not fully cynical. I like a lot of aspects of the team, but. I've, I've went from all happy about Virginia Tech football and excited and pumped up for some reason to pain. Darth Colby, Colby in the house. <laughs> Darth Bergstrom, yes. Um, I will say, yeah. So the last time, yeah, the last time they came into town was in 2019. I was looking up to see if there's anything interesting about Blacksburg matchups, and I will say this: um, during the past, um, since 2013 in Blacksburg. We've only won one game against Duke at home. They beat us in 2013 uh, by three. They beat us in 2015 by two. We beat them in 2017 by 21. And then we lost them in 2019, 45 to 10. So our record against Duke, at least in the past few times they've come into town, hasn't been great. Kind of like how North Carolina has been horrible against us in general. So that is a bit of a scary trend as, as well. Something I didn't even look at before. So. that makes me even more scared for this but i digress that is our college football portion to move on into the pro portion uh we start out with cleveland versus new england and i will say with nick chubb being confirmed out this week i was tossing up before the start of the show whether i was going to change my mind and switch to the patriots but here's one the only stat that i'm going to give for this which is why i'm still going with cleveland new england is one and four at home They've lost every single game they played at home uh, that they've lost this season. And the one win they got, I mean, I don't remember who it's against. Um, but it was probably the Jets. It had to be the Jets. Definitely so the Jets. So they, they are undefeated away from home. 
and they are barely able to do anything at, at home. Basically, just sounds like my Manchester United Red Devils um, over in England. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Cleveland purely based off that as well. Dearness Johnson has been great. I think this offense has been run really well by Stefanski. And I think that the Cincinnati game really turns the season around for Cleveland. I've always been hyped up about this team, and I think it's just going to continue here in Foxborough. Dan also went with Cleveland, and I'm going to have to pick the Patriots on this one. The Patriots' defense has been absolutely lights out the past couple weeks uh, with Nick Chubb out, like you said. Baker is still a banged up Baker Mayfield. I just don't see how Cleveland can get anything going offensively. I mean, Dearness Johnson, yeah, he's been pretty good, but has he really played against a tough, tough, you know, defense uh, yet? And I think this week he runs into that brick wall, and I think the Patriots come out on top. Mac Jones has over 200 yards. Hammer that down right here, and I think that. Uh, Patriots take the win. Now I'm going to go Patriots too, just because, I mean, they've been, they've got their rhythm now. I mean, the beginning of the season, you know, it seemed like uh, Mac Jones, maybe not have, uh, have worked out as well as they hope, but I mean, they're kind of in a rhythm now. And I mean, last week was kind of a statement win. And now this week they're just going to like try to keep, keep it rolling. And uh, well, not last week was a statement win against the chargers. And then, you know, they kept it going with the Panthers and then, now, hopefully, you keep just keep it rolling with the Browns. I mean, they've really found themselves. And, like, to go against your stat against their wins at home is that, I mean, some of the teams they've been playing at home is, like, the Cowboys and the Bucks, which is two of the best teams in the NFC. So, I mean, I think they can get this win at home, especially over a banged-up Browns team. I will say, though, you said that New England's defense is possibly the hardest, is the, or is, you know, the hardest that Dearness has faced, which is fair. I think the Browns' defense is going to be the hardest that Mac Jones has faced. I think this Browns defense has really found themselves this past week in Cincinnati, part of the reason I'm really up on them. But that's the, that's the second split that you guys have had with Dan and I this episode, with the first one being AM uh, Ole Miss. Interesting to see if we are going to have any other splits here. As we move on to the next game, another big one, it's going to be uh, New Orleans versus Tennessee. Uh, currently is a spread of three. And this game, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, if you go ahead and look at the New Orleans Saints as well, another little bit of schedule trend here. Every single time that New Orleans has lost a game, they bounce back with a double-digit uh, with a uh, double-digit win. Uh, if you go ahead and look at it, when they lost to the Panthers, uh, I'm trying to find it. Yeah, when they lost to the Panthers week two, they beat the Patriots by 15 at Foxborough week three. Lost to the Giants in overtime, beat Washington at home by 11, and then they went and lost to the Atlanta Falcons. So this is the third time, and every single time they've been able to turn around, they've been turning it around away from home beating Patriots at Foxborough, beating Washington at FedEx. So I think they're going to beat Tennessee in uh, – I forget their stadium's name, which is crazy since they are basically my team's rival. Nah, not rivals, Nissan. but I think Nissan, maybe? Nissan. Yeah. Okay. And does it change your pick that Camara's out? Because I think that just came out, that Camara is hurt. Um, I think that is relatively recent news. I think that's something that came out Wednesday. I'm, you know what? I'll stick with my pick still. I do like I do like Mark Ingram, and he's had enough touches this year where he was an RB1 at Houston until he got traded. Um, and I think Mark Ingram knows enough of the Sean Payton offense to be able to fill in just as well. Um, and on top of that, I think that the Saints have a strong defense, and it's a defense that's going to be suited for this Tennessee play 
because currently Tennessee is not really going to be relying on their run game. They're going to be run, relying on their passing game. And the secondary in New Orleans is still pretty talented. So I'm still going to go with New Orleans. I think the, I'm not saying that this is going to be like New Orleans wins by a million. I think this can be close. It might be even if, if it somehow is the, the double digit point trend, it would be 10 if anything. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to stick with my New Orleans Saints pick here. So Dan decided to go with the Titans, and I'm going to go with the Titans as well. You know, you mentioned the the streak where, you know, they, lo- they lose and then win by double digits the next week. Well, that was with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's out for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and now that Kamara's out too, that's like two of their biggest offensive weapons gone. Granted, they do have Mark Ingram. Is he as dominant as he was before with the Saints? No. Um, and then you got a Tennessee team that's coming off a great 28-16 to 16 win over the Rams, who was arguably the best team in the league um, coming into that game. Without Derrick Henry, uh, they were able to beat the Rams. So I think they do it again. I think Tannehill has a, good, has a great game, and I think that the Titans win plus – uh, or they win at least by three. Yeah, I must go with the Titans too. It's like really, what you said, like uh, Saints. I mean, uh, Winston and Kamara being out, I just don't see how Tennessee would lose this game. I mean, I know they have Henry out, but I mean, they've been playing well without him. So I mean, I think I think Tennessee can pull this one out. I'm okay with being lone dog on this one. We've seen a lot of crazy results happen these past few weeks in the NFL, so I think this would be just one more. Uh, next up here, we're going to be taking a trip on down to uh, Pittsburgh, or actually, I guess in this case, it'd be on up to Pittsburgh, as they're going to be taking on the Detroit Lions, the visitors. Uh, Detroit still winless. I don't think they're going to pick it up against Pittsburgh. Now, Dan and I both agree that this Pittsburgh team's way too overrated, um, but I just don't think that this is a game where they're going to bounce back. Their defense is consistent enough. Uh, Najee Harris is going to tear through that defense like a Swiss cheese. Uh, give me a Pittsburgh Steelers probably by over that nine point spread. Uh, probably not much more than the nine point spread, but over the nine point spread. Yeah, Dan went with the Steelers as well, and I'm gonna hammer my Steelers as well. Uh, hopefully, Najee gets has a really good fantasy week for me. Fingers crossed. Um, but no, Detroit has the 31st uh, defense in the league. Yeah, I think. Even then, uh, Roethlisberger's been struggling as of late. I think he turns it around. I think he's able to, you know, get Deontay Johnson involved. And I think I'd definitely take the over in this one. Um, but they're going to win by double digits. Yeah, I'm going to say Steelers, too. Uh, I just really have nothing to say about this game. The Lions are terrible. Steelers are decent. That's that's about it. Yeah, moving on that from that then, one that – you know, back in week three, you would have eyed up as an exciting game, but now really isn't. It's Carolina taking on Arizona in Arizona. Cam Newton returning to the team, but probably not going to start this coming weekend. It's probably still going to be P.J. Walker. Arizona has a 10.5 point spread in favor of them. Even if they have to go back to Colt McCoy and Christian Kirk leading that offense again, I think that that spread is just fine. Give it to the Cardinals. The Panthers are in the mud right now. Uh, wait until Cam Newton comes in and maybe we'll have a different story. 
Yeah, Dan went with the Cardinals as well. I'm going to go with the Cardinals as well for those reasons that you just said. You know, I don't think Newton is going to be a huge force coming in right off the bat, even if he does play this week. I doubt he does because um, it's a new head coach since he's been there with Carolina, I believe. So I'm going to take the Cardinals. Don't really know the status of Kyler Murray. I believe he's playing. I'm not positive. But if Murray plays, it's definitely going to be over that 10-and-a-half line. Um, I'm taking the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a definitely taking the Cardinals, too. It's just – yeah, they like you said, it was this was an interesting matchup looking at the schedule in week two or three, but now it's just it's kind of a wash. I think Cardinals got this one easily. Uh, and now what is an actual interesting matchup is both teams coming off of uh, barely winning and barely losing uh, their respective matchups last week. The uh, Minnesota Vikings trying to get a little bit of a rebound game after losing it overtime to the Baltimore Ravens, uh, going to be taking a trip over to Los Angeles and going to be playing the Los Angeles Chargers, who just beat the Philadelphia Eagles by three points. It is a three-point spread in favor of the Chargers, so, you know, the minus three for them. And I am going to go with the Chargers here. Um, to me, with how mediocre or just really bad this Minnesota's, like, quarter core is, I think, to me, this is the game where, if I'm Herbert, you're trying to get Mike Williams and Keenan Allen worked into the same game. Keenan Allen's been looking a lot better since the beginning of this season. Mike Williams has been inconsistent this season, but has had two of like his best ever games. Um, Mike Williams has the potential to still be a, like a good receiver. We're seeing it this year. You need to be able to do it on a consistent basis because other than like two good games, Mike Williams has had, you know, two of five, two of five, one of four as his catching stats. So to me, that's gotta be the chargers focus in this game. I think Eckler should easily be able to have a good game. Um, at the very least receiving the ball, if not running as well. I'm going to go with the Chargers. I like Herbert, and I think that that game is going to – this the Philadelphia game combined with this game is going to help them get right back on track to being my favorite for the West. Dan also went with the Chargers on this one, and to be honest, this is a toss-up for me. Um, mm-hmm. You look at all three core positions as far as who's leading each team. Uh, Herbert and Kirk Cousins basically have around the same numbers. Herbert has 200 more passing yards. Uh, and two more touchdowns, but he also has four more interceptions than Cousins. As for running back, that news with Dalvin Cook just came out, and who knows if he's even going to play this week um, due due to the uh, possible domestic violence, um, I guess, allegations against him. And looking at the wide receivers, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson – Around the same numbers, Jefferson has two more touchdowns um, and about 32 more yards than Keenan Allen. However, I'm being that it's in Los Angeles, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Um, I just think that Herbert finds a way to get it done this week, and Eckler just has a great game. I'm going to also go with you guys and go with the Chargers. I just, I just don't think the Vikings have been – you know, that great this season. I think the Chargers have been a little bit better. So, it's about all it came down to for me. And following that, we're going to be having another interesting matchup, a uh, very much a very fun matchup that almost is – it feels like it's happened almost every year in the NFC uh, since Wilson's been there, that being Seattle versus the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm going to be going with the Packers in this matchup, and it's purely because of this. I don't know if you guys know this. 
but all time Russell Wilson has not won a single game at Lambeau Field. Uh, I was looking up articles on it to see if Wilson's been able to do well. He was 0-3, but the articles that I pulled up were before another playoff game, I think from last year where they lost. So I think he's 0-4 all-time at Lambeau. Uh, Russ is just coming back off injury. Chris Carson's just coming back off injury. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't think he's been taken off IR quite yet, but he's expected to be. Um, And Green Bay has been a pretty good team throughout this year. I mean, on all honesty, they really should have beat KC last week. They just had a horrible game script. Um, I think they're going to get things right this week against a team that's just starting to recover with health. Uh, so give me the Packers at Lambeau to make it, I think it's five straight against Russell Wilson at Lambeau. Dan's also, Dan's also taking the Packers in this one. I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I don't know why. I, I, I just, it just seems like Russell coming back is going to, you know, rejuvenate that uh, Seahawks offense plus the possible return of Chris Carson. I I mean, you did – you almost made me change my mind when you said that Russell's never won at Lambeau before. But at the same time, that was probably all those games versus Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers is out with the COVID protocol. So, I'm going to have to go with the Seahawks on this one. So is uh, Rodgers confirmed out? Yeah, I was, I was about to say, I'm, I'm checking that right now. I don't think – I think Rodgers is actually strapping it in for this week. Yeah. Really? And yep. I think that's really what makes my pick. I'm going to have to – as much as I think Wilson coming back and will be huge, I think Rodgers, I mean, you just can't – he said, I, I just don't think that Wilson can get that win at Lambeau, and I think Rodgers uh, will win. Green Bay will win. And, yeah, especially if Rodgers don't come back, I think it's a different game. But if Rodgers is coming back, I'm definitely taking Green Bay in that game. All right, if Rodgers is playing, I'd change my pick. Green Bay all the way. Yeah, right now Rodgers is currently listed as out. However, he's expected to play. I think he has a test, maybe. Like, if depends on his COVID test. Like, he's been going to, like, all – supposedly he's been going to, like, all the virtual meetings and everything, and it says that he's checking out, like, to be able to play this weekend. It's going in the right direction. So, yeah. So, well, then that means I'll switch your pick, and we'll all be in favor of Green Bay for this week. So I like trust me, Joey. I think I was partially looking it up to, because I wanted to find a reason for Seattle to win as well, but I don't know. Uh, next up, uh, taking a trip to a big matchup in a big uh, a game that might mean a lot going down the rest of the line of this season: um, Kansas City versus the Las Vegas Raiders at Las Vegas. Uh, Kansas City is the two two and a half uh, minus two point five spread for them. Um, but this is going to be a huge game for the AFC West to see how the rest of this year is going to go. And I'm going to go with the Vegas Raiders. They surprisingly enough, you have not been able to say this in like the past years under Gruden, they have the better defense. Kansas city's defense is one of the worst we've seen um, during these past couple decades. I mean, nothing close to as, uh, eh. it, honestly, it's not too far off being as bad as that Dallas defense from last year, but it's definitely better than that. Um, it's just – it's a god-awful defense. It's the worst in the NFL. And I think with a healthy car, uh, Josh Jacobs is getting healthy. Kenyon Drake, is, uh, his career has been revitalized under their current interim head coach, who I really hope becomes their head coach. He's been doing one heck of a job. Uh, Darren Waller's always a mismatch. Hunter Renfro is going to become that clear-cut number one for them. You're now going to add Deshaun Jackson this week as a possible deep threat. I think everything favors Vegas here. 
And what I think is going to be a surprise blowout this week, I think Vegas might put up like 35 to Casey putting up like 14 with Pat Mahomes probably throwing a couple picks, which feels weird because this team doesn't have a good defense. Neither team really has a good defense, but they're able to do against Baltimore. They should easily be able to do it against Kansas City. Dan also went with the Raiders in this one, and I think I might have to go with the Raiders on this one as well. Uh, even though Kansas City has Tyreek Hill, they just have not looked good in the recent weeks. Mahomes especially. I think he's dealing with some something lingering, some lingering issue, or maybe defenses have just figured him out finally. Um, but he has not been playing well at all. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, Josh Jacobs has a really good day. And I think that um, Raiders get get the win. I'm going to have to go Raiders, too. No idea why the Chiefs are a favorite in this. Like, I get they're such this good team last year. I think we need to get over that because, I mean, they, sh- they shouldn't have won last week. If Aaron Rodgers is in that game, they absolutely get whipped. But, I mean, it's just I, I don't I, I just don't see Kansas City winning this. They've had so many problems this year. I mean, Mahomes. I'm not sure if he still does, but I think at one point led the NFL in interceptions. It's I'm not sure if it's exactly Mahomes uh, Mahomes' problem as it is like the whole team. But I mean, the Raiders have looked decent. They've uh, cars look good. Like you said, Josh Jacobs. It's just the Raiders have looked a lot better in Kansas City, and especially at home. I have no idea why they would not be favored in this game. So that means that the last. Five picks that we've had here have been all of us in favor of one team. Let's see if that stays true to the Monday night game here, as it is a minus four spread in, uh, on the favor of Los Angeles Rams as they're going to head into the San Francisco Bay Area to take on the 49ers. Uh, I'm going to be going with the Rams here in the get right game. Uh, just all I have to say is this San Francisco just lost last week by, I think, multiple drives to Colt McCoy and Christian Kirk and James Conner. Give me the Rams. Yeah, Dan also went with the Rams uh, as well, and I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Uh, just with all of the – it's going to be a bounce-back game. I think that the Rams get it done. Yeah, uh, Rams for me too. Uh, I think it's very easy. I think it's lock of the week right there for me. I just – I don't see how they're losing this game, especially with – all the momentum they've had. I'm not – would OBJ be playing this week for them? I don't know. He might. Either I, way, they got such a – this is like, you know – Even if he doesn't have Von Jefferson, you know what I mean? Yeah, they have all this going for them right now. I don't see them losing to a San Francisco team that's just looked all right this year. So, I, yeah, definitely Rams on this one all the way. My heart would say I put my house on this, but I'm also not able to bet yet. So – and I also wouldn't do that because that's a little bit too much. But put my box department uh, on it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll if I, if I can somehow get my like, college tuition money back for this game, I would do it. Yeah, just so Rams that I could be, that, you know, that I'd be at a net zero for learning. But on top of that, the last thing I'll say here before we wrap up the show uh, is a little bit of a Colts thing here. I'm going to sneak it in because I'm a little bit of a Colts fan. But we are playing the Jaguars this week. I wanted to ask you guys with how good he's been, how many yards do you think Jonathan Taylor is going to get on the ground in scrimmage? And I'll tell you this, last time he played against the Jacksonville Jaguars at Indianapolis was the last game of last year, and he put up, I think, 253 rushing yards. 
Um, I'll say he has 170 yards total. Hmm. Yeah, that's about where I would probably say too. Um, I haven't really been keeping up with you know the Jaguars defense this year. I don't think it's that good. Um, yeah, well, they did just do well against the Bills. In fairness, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. Even with that in mind, though, personally, in this, you you consider consider this bias. You can consider it not bias. I don't mind. I think it's going to be two hundred yards on the ground again. Um, I think Johnson, like this, as you said, I don't think this is that good of a defense. Um, but really, the biggest thing on top of it is if you look at Jonathan Taylor against bad teams this year, he has been able to uh, pop off. Um, now he has overall been like way better than what Indy's allowed him to be. Um, again, if you guys haven't listened to what I've said on the pod, I've been basically like hoping and wishing for each and every single week for him to get 20 plus touches in, in the running game. But when he's come up against bad teams, Miami, he put up 103. Houston, he put up 145. San Fran, he put up 107. And New York Jets, he put up 172. And he also got his most rushing attempts last week, even though he got banged up a little bit. But he was fine. Like, he played the whole game. So I could see this finally being his 20-plus touch performance, and I think it'll be 200 yards on the ground because that defense is horrendous. The only good part about it is Josh Allen, and I think that the Bills had a banged-up offensive line, part of the reason why Jags were able to do well so well defensively. Our offensive line's finally starting to get healthy. Fisher's finally starting to look like the guy that we paid to be a left tackle for us this year, et cetera. So it'll be a good game for him. So I'm excited as a fan. Uh, and as a fantasy owner of him in multiple leagues, but definitely more as a fan and outside better if I was able to bet. With that being said, though, that is the Friday episode of the 3304 Sports Podcast. Um, I'd like to thank Ethan Owens and uh, Joey Robertson here to, for joining me as guest hosts. Um, I'd also like to give one last shout-out to Nels and Nick for also being able to come on to the Wednesday episode for excellent guest hosts throughout this week. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking with you guys. Do you two have anything else to say, Ethan and Joey, before we wrap out this episode? Um, if we're talking about favorite teams, I just got to say thank God the Bears are on a bye. Tired of watching them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I just want to say uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, it's been really fun. Of course, yeah, I love having you all on. It's been enjoyable discussions throughout this week, and we'll definitely we'll, – we'll, you guys will have to be back on soon. Hopefully even you guys will be back on when Dan's here. Uh, however it happens, it will, it will be exciting to have you guys back when we have you back. So with that being said, that is the end of this episode. Um, next week uh, should be back to normal. Dan should be back from um, his uh, out-of-town trip uh, for the Monday episode um, and of, of college football and the following of the NFL. With that being said, I have been Colby Warren Bertram being joined by Ethan Owens and Joey Robertson. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.